Hello everyone, welcome back to the Cast. My name is Ben. And my name is Zane. Oh, and my name is Dan. And uh, you are listening to the podcast where we review old cartoons and see what we think of them as adults. And today, for our bootlegged segment, our the return of our ever-popular bootleg segment, we are watching The Brave Little Toaster. Yes, the BLT. Yep, that's what I was thinking of. <laughs> And, uh, and we have Dan Caves back as a guest. Hi, everybody. Um, as uh, some viewers may know, this movie has a reputation for being scarier than is intended for the demographic it was targeted to. And so um, Dan seemed like a perfect guest to have on. Um, but it also is uh, a very interesting busted. movie in its own. <laughs> very interesting <laughs> movie in its own right. So, um, uh, Dan, welcome. Thank you very much. I'm glad to be back. Yeah, Dan, Dan, we haven't seen you in a while. Uh, I've been hoping to get you on for kind of a, you know, it's it's weird to think that you're doing this movie as opposed to, you know, I mean, there's there's several other Burtons that we could mine for, for source material for you to come on and, <laughs> and dissect, but I'm interested to see you uh, talk about a movie that is not explicitly horror and is fact, in fact kind of goes the other way in a lot of regards. Yeah, yeah this is going to be an interesting diversion from our usual... Uh, pattern of things. I mean, Which, I, I I really am looking forward to talking about this movie. Yeah, it's not to say that there's nothing here for a mature audience. Like, there's a lot of weird subtlety in the text yeah. that is endlessly interpretive. So. <laughs> uh, the aud- audience, you will recognize Dan from our uh, uh, Halloween episodes. Mostly, <laughs> Plural. every single one. <laughs> every, it's 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 called a tradition, Ben, and it's fancy. Yeah. You get we're, we're, we're channeling up. him from the spirit realm. Indeed. Suit and tie. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and so, yeah, but this movie, uh, so The Brave Little Toaster came out in uh, 1987, produced by Hyperion Animation, which is an offshoot of Disney, as well as Kushner Lock Company, which uh, made Teen Wolf. Yeah, and it was, uh, I, I don't remember what his exact role was, but uh, was it like storyboarded or directed or something by Jerry Reese, who... Who precisely was this? Uh... So Jerry Rees had done visual work for Tron and went out, went on after this to help out in the animation in Space Jam. So I'm, yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm okay with yeah, anything this gold, guy puts out. <laughs> five gold stars already. Um, the movie was based on a children's book uh, with the subtitle "A Bedtime Story for Small Appliances" by Thomas Dish, uh, and he is a <laughs> so... Hugo Award-winning sci-fi author who also writes about genocide. So a little bit of darkness in there already. Yeah, it's it's. It's a weird mashup of like uh, of, of like Goodnight Moon and uh, Schindler's List. <laughs> it is 50, yeah, that's 50 quite a ratio. portfolio. I did not. I, I, I will be honest. I, I did not I do much work. much uh, homework on this movie beyond actually watching it. So I'm really that actually enthralled by your pitch there. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, well, I'm uh... super tired. So uh, I. I, I picked my battles in going mm-hmm. through lore for this movie. Um, I didn't read up a lot on the production of it, but I, I knew I know that Jerry Rees was chosen to lead this project, and um, there was I found some interesting kind of uh, I guess just like little tidbits in the production of it, such as um, how it was cast. Yes. So um, it, it, how Reese, was it cast? Well, in. Uh, a lot of the roles were like done, like written specifically for them. For example, John Lovitz as the radio, like 
they had to work around his Saturday night, night live schedule in order to like <laughs> cast him. And apparently, like they got they got all of John Lovitz's uh, dialogue in a single night, and they friggin' nailed it. <laughs> oh my <laughs> yes. god. So the, and, the casting of this is like this weird mix of like seasoned professionals and complete one-off like don't know where the hell they came from well, that's, novices. That's the nature of the beast, right? So a lot of the cast was taken from the improv group The Groundlings, which is like the LA version of Second City or other improv yeah. giants. And that's the thing about improv, you know, if you can if you can turn that into a TV gig or SNL or something, you can kind of just keep going on that path, but otherwise, you know, go get a real job. Yeah, yeah, um, and and it really does stick out like which characters are voiced by seasoned professionals. I think that most of it's pretty appropriate. A couple of the voice acting roles feel a little bit flat or not precisely work like not precisely well integrated into their roles, but it it plays just fine for the most part. Sure. Uh, there were a couple. Uh, Interestingly, when Reese was sitting down with the script, uh, animators ran out of pages to storyboard because it's very loosely based on the children's books. Um, Or not very loosely, but somewhat loosely. I think only like four lines of dialogue actually ended up in the movie from the book, so (laughs) a lot of original scripting had to be done. And Reese sat down and wrote more of the script himself, which I guess... I, I would have thought that he could have outsourced it, but no, he just did it himself um, and rearranged a lot of the stuff. For instance, the uh, the uh, junkyard sequence was pushed to the back of the film as opposed to the middle because he thought that it would be, you know, a, a very climax. satisfying climax. You know, this kind of appliance graveyard. Sure, mm-hmm. which was cool. Um, and uh, so, one of the things, Dan, that you might know about this. Um, and one of the reasons I'm glad they didn't stick too too closely to the book is um, this movie was done by a lot of people who went on to do Pixar. So um, John Lasseter huh. was actually fired for trying to get this film off the ground. The Disney executives didn't want this mixture of drawn and computer animation. Mm-hmm. Um, but you can see the ideas, which, which are a little rough around the edges in this movie, you can see it very clearly in Toy Story. It's pretty much Toy Story. <laughs> it's a pro- um, I got a, yeah, so it's like a proto Pixar. It is. This, is. this is the proto Pixar. I got a lot of um, sort of membranes of Inside Out. Um, I didn't actually see that one. You never saw Inside Out? No. Probably the best Pixar. No way. <sighs> I I'm putting my hat in there. Yeah, you know what? I have a I have a, a history of being turned off by animation styles and not checking out things that are really good because of it. Mm. Um, but yeah, I just I hated I hated being like approached by this. I'm usually in for like Pixar weirdness and like anthropomorphized children's toys and and cars and whatever. I really hate doing it for emoticons. <laughs> <laughs> like I was just really turned off by that idea. Just like, like we shouldn't. Oh, I'm tired of being on the the internet. Like we shouldn't do them the honor. Like it, it, emoticons don't deserve to have their own goddamn movie. Yeah, and, and I, I uh, we're not talking about Inside Out because well, I have nothing. Well, to I'll say remain about agnostic it. on this. I haven't seen it, and I have no. Yeah, I have well, no I dog think, in this fight. I think sure. Inside Out is is closest to this one in tone in the way that it mixes sirens. Well, I'll keep talking. It, it <laughs> it's mixes, okay. It mixes uh, the very childish with the more adult uh, uh, concepts and tones. And um, 
you know, in a lot of the Pixar movies, you know, they're sort of for one or the other. So, you know, like The Incredibles is more for, you know, teenagers and, and adults, whereas, you know, Cars is is just kiddie fair. Right. And this was before they kind of figured out which to market toward. Well, this was a this was a weird branch of uh, Disney. This this is kind of like the awkward early years of uh, many kind of children's stories before Disneyfication really sets in. You know, uh, Grimm's Fairy Tales um, kind of shows this similar thing. Fairy Tales used to be this kind of harrowing journey of discovery combined with like preoccupation with facing your own mortality and the cruelty of the world and trying to find your meaning in spite of that yeah yeah before they kind of got to be this kind of fluffy uh very easily digestible morality tales and this is sort of on this is sort of on the front half of that curve that uh that fairy tale generally follows where it's all candy colored on its face but it's very easy to see the darkness lurking behind all of these character mm. interactions and the and the and the themes of the story Dan I don't know uh, how much Disney or Pixar you engage in how do you feel that this compared uh n- not a lot recently like I watched a lot when I was a child and um I'd say that this was probably more like this was more like a heavy Grimm's fairy tale, like Ben said, than like classic Disney movies have moments like that. But this, (laughs) that this was kind of a concentrated dose. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, It's it's also very daring in its like musical score. Um, mm -hmm. To just say a note about it, it was conducted by, uh, scored by David Newman. Um, performed by the New Japan Philharmonic. And Reese constantly was being very... Like, I I see a bunch of admiration in these little blurbs about how great the music was, about how he wanted, like, this kind of rich classical style that David Newman was known for and chose him so that the film didn't have, like, cartoon music. Yeah. Yeah. Which is perfect and great. And then also... David Newman does... uh, did the soundtracks to some other subtly dark movies like uh, Matilda and Death to Smoochie? Oh man, I didn't realize that. That's great. That's great. Yeah, Death to Smoochie I, yeah. is like one of my favorite movies. <laughs> yeah, these movies that sort of rest on on edges. Yep, where John Stewart is known from. Um, and then, uh, yeah, and like you said, like it's uh, one of the things that he's known for is kind of having this multitude of emotions, so that like when you have a chord of joy it always has an undertone of sadness or loss mm-hmm. and yeah that's no, very I definitely, poignant in this movie <laughs> absolutely i i actually got a little choked up at a couple of moments yeah i don't know honestly it, it at the heartstrings like it's very good at evoking emotional response mm-hmm. yeah so this is actually kind of where you see the proto pixar because you know the dark atmosphere of the movie is a little strong um but it also has a lot of humor and they know how to like play that all together to create this catharsis at the end of the movie Mm -hmm. you know like they bring you down into the depths because they know and you know that it's all gonna work out okay except that i didn't know it was gonna like i thought that's why it's rough (laughs) that's why it's rough okay um well when i was a kid i didn't see it but i was aware of it now like Based on just how effective a movie it is, how like what's its reputation in pop culture? 
if, if you have any notes on that. I mean, that is kind of its reputation is like, it's not quite a kid's movie. Like, if you look at like the cover, it looks joyous. Uh, it looks like, like, you know, bubblegum family film. Right. Uh, I think it works really well for a slightly older audience mm-hmm. than it was than it was targeted towards. So looking back at it now, you know, the the scary moments that it has are not necessarily darker or creepier than some of the stuff they put in today. It's just at the time it was edgier. I kind of disagree. I think that uh I mean like I agree with what you're saying, but uh, I don't think that you are targeting the right demographic. I think this does work with the very young and the you know, fully adult. Like, I think that we're actually part of the target demographic as, like, people who are familiar with all of these, you know, tones of fear and loss and death and things like that uh, and abandonment. Um, but I think it's I think it's sort of a movie where... It's it, like the Grimm's fairy tale thing, right? This, this is explicitly for young children, yeah. but it's not without a lesson of harsh reality. It's the kind of movie that young parents can watch with young children and then discuss afterward. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, parents don't have to feel like they're wasting their time taking their kid to see a movie like this. Like, there's something there for them, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, so I, I don't think that it's for the slightly older kid. I think it's for pretty young. It's pretty a young film kid. for everyone. I, I think so. <laughs> I, mean, I think this movie's pretty good. Yeah, me too. Uh, but anyway, um, um, I should mention that uh, this had two sequels: uh, "The Brave Little Toaster Goes to Mars" and "The Brave Little Toaster to the Rescue." <laughs> yeah, I did see that because I my, my first attempt was to look on Netflix just in case it was there, and I think one of the sequels is up there. <laughs> yeah, but th- I saw that information and and discarded it immediately. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't look into it. I have no idea why they would have to go to Mars. They yeah, had a that, tough that, time that like going sense. outside. That seems like a bit of a like Jetsons meet the Flintstones kind of a kind of. Oh, because they had to they had to go save uh, Wallace and Gromit. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, that was the moon. <laughs> Never mind. The themes in this movie are pretty apparent, but one of them that we should kind of get out of the way is that it's kind of a story of coping with abandonment. Yes, absolutely. Uh, mm-hmm. The director uh, Jerry Rees described that the main message of the film is like what it's like to be an appliance to be useful to people and what happens when that is taken away from you and sort of this re repurposing yourself into something that makes sense to you when you don't have your function explicitly defined Mm -hmm. having to go outside your comfort zone to find purpose again yeah and that's actually very well set up in the first couple of moments of the movie like i think this is one of the most explicitly well-drawn well-sketched themes um that we've come across like i i knew exactly what i was looking for like within a couple of minutes yeah i i like how um the appliances are heroes um you know they all have their specific function um that they were sort of born with and that you see early on and then through the course of their adventure they all kind of find additional ways to interact that you wouldn't expect so maybe we should uh let's talk about the characters quickly and then uh and then start into the plot yeah awesome Mm -hmm. all right Uh, so we have the toaster um this is sort of just the leader of the group very forward thinking and optimistic yeah and and these all of these characters are kind of like uh 
twisty version of kind of personality types um, that sort of reflect their nature and also sort of go against it. So uh, the toaster is very warm and optimistic, and that makes sense. Uh, we have the lamp that is, you know, he's a lamp, he's bright, but he's kind of intellectually, he's kind of an intellectual desert as well. <laughs> Although he, he always purports to have ideas, but most of them are terrible. Um, he does have one good idea partway through when he oh, tries yeah. to sacrifice himself. Oh my god, in the most, in the most, in the metal version of the, <laughs> in the most metal yeah. moment during the movie. That one was of my favorite moment. moments. <laughs> I'm sure that we'll get to great. that. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll save that up. I should hope so. <laughs> it, it, like, it's in the movie. I hope we get to all of the <laughs> parts of the movie. Uh, we have Blanky, who um, was voiced by Timothy Day, who was eight when this came out, so. It shows. You know Casting a child, it, it, show, it shows especially in the singing. Otherwise, I think it's oh, it's a pretty good choice. I, I um, know that like generally it's a mixed bag when you get child voice actors, but uh, he was uh, credited with only needing to do one take in his lines. Oh, great! Uh, apparently, good like, for him. The, like the other voice actors are like, this kid's got chops. Like, it's I'm not generally not into the child actors, but yeah, I think he did a, a good job, and uh, the character is pretty childish and naive. This, very, uh, very naive. So, like, it gives us a nice, he it gives security. us a nice scale that we're working with for like the sliding scale of optimism and cynicism, um, because we know that the toaster is generally very optimistic and warm, but we don't really know how to gauge that. But Blanky gives us this this nice extreme. Yeah. Um, but by the way, uh, the toaster is voiced by um, Deanna Oliver. Deanna Oliver, and this is the only thing that the toaster... Uh, the, the only thing that uh, she did, apparently. Um, but it's 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 still pretty good. W- who was the other one? That, uh, Tim Stack as Lampy, that's right. So Timothy Stack, who... I, I wrote this down, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm trying to fi- figure out... Yeah, he's... Apparently he, he's uh, the same guy as on the show My Name is Earl. Wait, which guy? Uh, the Lamp? Well, John Lovitz's yeah, career survived this movie, so yes, because he played the radio, who is like a boastful liar uh, personality type, and he's steals the spotlight. Yeah. <laughs> Way too much. Single scene that he, it's great. I mean, I love John Lovitz, like... but every now and then I would just tell him to shut up. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, it was too much for you, huh? It's just, the just of a the tiny night. Much. And, and for someone who like would love to talk about the critic with you guys in some oh, future. Yeah. <laughs> episode like sure it was it was yeah i love john lovitz like i said but sometimes he just butt in yeah and i i think that's fine for this character because that's kind of what his personality brings out like his radio so he's an entertainer and he's bombastic and overbearing Mm. and even the characters get sick of it from time to time yeah he's like uh, never serious right he's also lying about everything along the way like lying about musicians that he worked with yeah like he, oh my god it's great like, like, and he's like like he was a drummer like... in cab calloway's band <laughs> <laughs> and he's like after after lamps like heroic sacrifice he's like uh, the purple heart was awarded today by <laughs> president roosevelt that was nice I, I i thought that was funny yeah 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 it was very funny but it like it reminded me have you guys ever seen jacob the liar no no it's a it's this movie where Robin Williams is in a concentration camp and keeps everyone's spirits up by pretending to have access to a radio. Oh my god. That says that you know the 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 Russians are invading. They're oh. like the war is about to end. Oh my god. 
And so he's, like, lying to everybody, giving them false hope. And I'm like, this is what this reminded me of. It's like this bullshitting radio trying to keep everyone's spirits up. With That sounds like a great movie. It's actually really good, yeah. Uh, but, uh... <laughs> Like it's just like this bizarre point of reference that I couldn't help but see. <laughs> the uh, the final appliance in our alliance is uh, Kirby, <laughs> the vacuum. Yep. Uh, voiced by this is a great name, Thurl Ravenscroft. Tony the who, Tiger. Who sang? <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> who sang? You're a mean one, Mister Grinch. Yeah, and he was Tony the Tiger. And Tony I, the Tiger. Yeah. I didn't recognize great. it, but yeah, now it's now it's very clear. Uh, and he is this very harsh, uh, stern character who does care deeply for the others, but refuses to show it. I, at first, I thought he was doing like a Roddy Dangerfield impression, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, he's he's like this real gruff salt. Um, he's kind of like every a lot of the others wear their emotions on their sleeve. He keeps everything inside like a good vacuum cleaner. So. Um, that's that's mo- that's pretty much all the appliances that we care about. Um, yeah, it's the main cast. There's one yeah. other member of the cast who is spoken about in whispers in <laughs> and deified through scripture. The, the master. master. Oh my god, I love this aspect of the movie. How they're all talking about him in re- reverent, like, they, like how they built up their own cult. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so the main plot of this movie is that these appliances miss their former master this young lad who used to use all of them and this is how all the appliances felt fulfillment they have been abandoned by this messianic archetype (laughs) they they don't know how to purport themselves without their master and uh, i guess we'll just like let it hang there for a bit but i want it aware that they are constantly talking about how great he is. Our glorious leader. Yeah, exactly. And they're, I love it in the first song, they talk about him like in their own terms, like the toaster's like, the master is a man who is reflective. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, by the way, this is a musical, which I was not expecting. There's a few songs. It's not as uh, jam-packed as some of the modern ones, but it. Oh, yeah. I, I, I was pretty big fan of most of the songs. The uh, yeah, yeah. one thing, the one thing that... um that uh reese was uh very one thing that reese pointed out about uh newman's scoring is that he does this thing where he doesn't break into full broadway musical numbers that are entirely removed from the plot like he keeps the action moving with the musical numbers yeah and i thought that was an excellent decision like we don't stop and just kind of talk to the camera for a while if we have a musical number it's going to be while we're traveling or it's when we're getting acquainted with this new atmosphere there's always a purpose to it rounding out our analysis uh, i want to mention briefly the animation um so this is done since it is adapted from a storybook it has that sort of aesthetic with a limited yet expressive facial features on uh, all the appliances um and the backgrounds are, are very iconic the toaster looks strung out yeah the toaster is just Toaster's so like off of a three-day of bender <laughs> yeah well he he looks like crap but like that just kind of gets to the bravery aspect like the fact that he's able to sort of become the leader in this situation yeah. is an extra like you know yeah, it, it makes it all the more heroic seeing how much it's weighing on him. He overcomes mm-hmm. his anxieties and 
it, drawbacks <laughs> of being a toaster. And I'm sorry, I just can't like. It's so that, hard to talk about it and feel like serious. They're appliances. Like, <laughs> yeah, I know. Every now and then, I have to just sit back and like, this is weird. What? It's fucking asinine. <laughs> By the way, uh, another one of your occasional guest hosts, Bill, uh, wanted me to ask if the toaster would have been any braver if he was a four slicer. <laughs> I'd only make sense. And like more, more slots, more bravery. I now, think, I think no, it goes like that. Bravery is always born of cowardice, you know? You, you have mm. to be able to overcome your fear in order to... Um, conquer it like you you have to you have to be able to face your fear your fear has to be there in order for you to become brave uh, if you had four slicers what are you even afraid of yeah exactly <laughs> that's you could my do question anything. that's you what i want to know you could do anything accepting anything that requires more than four slicers yes the the title of the movie is interesting because this really does feel more like a um you know an ensemble cast like yeah. they all they all find their purposes and the toaster does get like Toaster gets top quality. billing. Yeah, the toaster but is the, the contribution, catalyst, is, but the, the, all of the, the characters kind of come into their own mm-hmm. over the course of the movie. But the toaster's yeah. bravery is the catalyst for the action and everything. So that's true. It's, it's so the, the beginning. The and bravery ending aspect of it is is kind of a, a I think a defunct title in some ways because the brave I don't know about brave yeah. being the defining characteristic of this toaster. The, I agree with like at that very end there is a moment wherein that is. And they actually added that in, this this defining oh, really? moment of bravery. Hmm. Yeah, Rees actually added that in because he said he wanted a defining moment that characterizes him as brave. But if you take that out, is bravery really what he's known for? Yeah, this might be one of those lost in translation or adaptation things. I think so. But it's still, it's still a catchy title, so, you know, whatever. Yeah. Shall we get into it, guys? Yes. I love yes. it. Let's do it. Um, so the first thing that you notice when you start the movie is that things are very dark, and uh, even during during the bright moments, which will come later, there's kind of a, an undercurrent of uh, heaviness. Yeah, the intro is kind of creepy. Like it's high on the strings. There's crows in my face, mm-hmm. and there's like a Scooby Doo chateau in the distance. Yeah, creepy cabin on a hill. They're, yeah, they're priming us for the tragedy of the appliances. <laughs> the tragedy of the appliances. It's a tragic tale of AI run amok. I, oh I man! <laughs> this is where Spielberg got Skynet. the idea. <laughs> oh man! But the uh, the first rays of sunlight give us a view of the interior, and we get some nice uh, pastoral music. So mm-hmm. they're, they're they're easing us into it, you know, <laughs> one toe in the pool. Yeah, Newman is really showing off his his chops here, um, um, and we pan across the whole house to a radio announcing the morning news in a scene that's paced just perfectly. I mm-hmm. like this dialogue here. He's uh, he's pretty clearly improvising. The news is a little too absurd to be believable. <laughs> uh, it's like about chimpanzees escaping from the zoo or something. Mm-hmm. And followed by someone shouting at the radio. And if you, for some reason, did not know that this movie was about talking appliances... <laughs> You're in for a look, shock. It does look possible that somebody is talking to the radio and then... You know, the the moment is like, okay, the radio is talking back, is responding, and we realize that, okay, it's all appliances all the time. <laughs> but, uh... They... So, this is the lamp, who's who's trying to get some sleep, and they tussle for a bit. They, you know, there's some witty banter here. Yeah, it's a nice, whimsical introduction. 
Uh, and we see the other appliances kind of come to life. So the air conditioner coughs up a snowflake. Uh, the vacuum sucks it up. Um, toaster tries to make some toast. There's no bread. Okay, I want to talk about this. <laughs> <laughs> like, we just see, hoping? When we see the toaster, and he's just so sad that he doesn't have bread to toast. <laughs> well, the reason he misses the master so much is because he loves it when he's the master puts things into him. The, oh god damn oh, no that's great because the way the way that it expresses it is like she pops up the toaster handle and nothing comes out and that's when she gets depressed like um <laughs> like can't you tell when you have toast in you <laughs> like i can tell oh my god i i feel like such a jackass talking about this toaster's emotions like spiritual <laughs> fulfillment but like i'm just gonna I'm just gonna say it now. I'm just gonna accept that. I'm gonna say some ridiculous shit. Yeah, <laughs> no. This I, movie. To be fair, w- when I realized that this wasn't really a horror movie, I just started no. taking ridiculous notes of just thoughts I was having. <laughs> Please over tell the course, me all of them Please. over the course. Yes, I'm planning to because they kind of go along with the plot because it's kind of like in in chronological order. So, what I really want to say for the first one is that if this movie was at all realistic, you wouldn't be able to hear anything over the vacuum cleaner. <laughs> because it seems like for them to ambulate, they need to be performing their function. Like, the toaster's, mm. like, handles go up and down when he's going around. The vacuum sure. cleaner is vacuuming as he moves. You shouldn't be able to hear a damn thing in this movie because it would just be. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Like you, you get the an old VHS time. copy and there's just, just this hum consistently. Like, oh, that's supposed to happen. Yeah. And this is an old model. Like, uh, like he's depicted yeah. as an old man. This is like a vacuum from the '60s or something. It's like not great. <laughs> like so, it should be. It should be coughing up a storm. Absolutely. Um, we we see the toaster ambulate like unplugs and then moves around with the cord yeah um, uh, I, I i i know that we kind of moved on from it but i do want to note that there's something so touching about the sense of unfulfillment to the toaster's intro yeah yes. like seeing him sad because he's breadless is so cute <laughs> it like well, when, when you're actually watching the movie it is an emotional moment but like w- w- once you remember that it's a movie about talking appliances the ridiculousness well, creeps in and I have but thoughts no, like that. But there's no words and we are already aware that something is missing. Something well, integral to this toaster's life is gone. Mm-hmm. Well, think about that because every other appliance can do their function on their own. Yeah, so it's almost yeah. like he's coming to terms with this abandonment more readily. <laughs> That's fair. Because yeah. of the disuse. Yeah, so uh, Lampy and Radio keep fighting. Uh, Blanky falls on top of them kirby goes to intervene um okay why kirby um kirby is a vacuum company is that is that just a brand because i i couldn't (gasps) not think of like kirby's dreamland (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah no this predates that yeah no i I know but like creature who sucks name is kirby and i don't have any other context for it yeah, uh, that yeah. Ma- that makes so much more sense now. I I, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I didn't. I just sort of accepted it, and moved on. I didn't look into it any further. <laughs> like but thank everybody you for else that has fact. a name that is them, like what they are, like blanket and toaster, and his name's just Kirby. <laughs> it's like when we were talking about wizards, and one of the fairies' <laughs> name is Sean. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> um, 
Yeah. Go ahead, Zane. Uh, and, uh, and like you like you said, you can tell just as they're moving around and exploring the house, something's not right. Like everything's too organized. The ceiling light's broken. The appliances aren't hiding. Um, yeah. You you get the sense of emptiness before they come out and say that the master is gone and has been gone. And they're used to a certain routine because I think it was the. I'm not going to assume who it was. It might have been the vacuum who said that like. They've been sentient for like two thousand days. That's almost like days, six yeah. years. <laughs> yeah. Of yeah. They've been now. All of a sudden, it's dawning on them that something's not right. And it's also clear that Toaster is kind of keeping them content. Mm-hmm. Like he he he's he's got total faith in his master. He 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 knows that he hasn't been abandoned by his lord and savior. He just needs to keep his flock under, you know, he yeah. just needs to make sure that they don't fly off the handle or go nuts. Restore so his order. He's, he's he, yeah, he's he's keeping them doing their paces, saying we can make we can make cleaning fun. Hey, clean up, clean up. Like yeah. <laughs> another and, and part of the movie that felt very yeah, they're, kids. They're, they're griping about having to do chores, and Toaster reminds them, you know, the, the work will set you free. Yeah. Actually, what if the master is a religion that they created oh. to cope like to cope with the intermittency of the master's presence? And so now this is the first time that they're like performing the rituals that will summon the master and he's not coming. Oh my like, god, that's great. The like rituals. printer just like found a stock photo and then Toaster killed printer so no one would find out. <laughs> Precisely. And, and cleaning the house is like their version of like a summoning seance. And not and so like this could be also a metaphor for like for like a loss of faith. Like people yeah. are starting to question their faith. They're having a dark night of the soul. Yeah, the, the reason that the master isn't back is because of all of you. They then they then have to go on an epic journey to um, sort of reaffirm their faith in the master. Yes. <laughs> He's not appearing because we're not worthy. <laughs> um, oh, my God. Anyway. Back, back to what's actually happening. Sure. Um, so radio plays Tutti Frutti. Uh, to raise their spirits as they work. And and we get this cleaning montage where we can see their personalities. You know, Toaster's got this big smile, but weary eyes. Blanky is... Blanky's kind of like a piglet to, to Toaster's Pooh Bear. Yeah, like, he's I, I got, I got shades of I got shades of um, Hundred Acre Woods characters in all of these guys. Yeah, that makes sense. I can see it. Uh, we get really good conveyance here of everyone's kind of motivations. So... You know, they're all kind of grousing about work accepting Toaster, um, but at mention of the Master, they all kind of perk up and get very animated. Even the grouse, the, uh, you know, the, the, the vacuum, who is sort of a skeptic that the, that the Master is going to come back. So we, we know a lot already in the first few minutes of the movie without all that much explanation. And that just, that, that really impressed me. It was good storytelling. Yeah. Yeah. They and hammer home the emotions when, yeah. uh, when when Blanky hears a car. It's kind of heartbreaking. Oh, that was that was heart wrenching. Because yeah. they work to get him in the attic so he can look out the window, and he just kind of goes into this dreamscape in bright colors. Everything's warm, and just the this, car keeps driving. This ecstatic uh, hallucination of yeah of the master returning. Took some LSD. Oh my god. Yeah, and 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 Blanket is just 
every time something bad happens to Blanket, you just feel a little bit sad. He just breaks down and cries over like, the picture. He just pictures. doesn't have any defenses against all this bad stuff happening to him. And you're just like, oh, poor guy. Um, uh, he is the loss of innocence metaphor. But, yeah, the, the the vacuum is like, okay, you gotta stop it with this, you know, getting sad every time a car passes shit. It's driving me insane. And they all kind of have it out. Yeah, and they fight over the picture of the master that Blanky's holding. And, uh, you know, it, it slips and it breaks. And they're they're all sad. Except yeah. for Jack Nicholson. No, <laughs> oh, Phil, Phil Hartman as Jack Nicholson. As Jack Nicholson. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, the AC unit butts into their conversation about... Uh, butts into this fight um, of, of uh, all the appliances, different views on whether or not the master's coming back. He's like the dick yes. atheist just like chewing them out for still no, believing in the master. Yes. This, this is like a re- this is like a relig- a, a fight between <laughs> different religions online. <laughs> kind of, yeah. What are you laughing at? <laughs> Absolutely nothing. Nothing at all. What is it with you guys, anyway? You act like you just came off the assembly line. Now get this through your chrome. We've been dumped. Abandoned. And, like, and so he... He kind of goes too far in pushing them. And they kind of push back and say, you know, you're just... You're just, ups- you're just mad because, you know, you the couldn't reach your dials. You, you can't move. Uh, and we get this infamous scene where he just goes ballistic. So, it's back to that stupid static again. It's a conspiracy. And every one of you low watts is in on it. Just because you can move around, you think you're better than I am. I'm not an invalid. I was designed to stick in a wall. I like being stuck in this stupid wall. Oh, he has a coronary. Yeah, he strokes he, out. He blows a fuse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, I like this scene a lot because it personalizes these characters quite a bit. Because we, mm-hmm. we know their functions, but now we also know their personalities as they are talking about whether or not the master will come back. So, you know, Lamp is hopeful. Blanket is naively hoping. The, the vacuum is, like, on his face, very skeptical, but he still harbors some hope. I, like, he's not fully gone. I love Kirby's response because he talks back to the air conditioner, and he's like, no, the master could be back any minute. Yeah, he's and just Blanky, a contrarian. And, and Blanky's like, you mean it? And he's like, I'm not talking to you. <laughs> yeah, he's great. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, but like and, this, the a- and the scene. AC unit <laughs> Yeah, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, no, I'm just, just this scene, it's so wild. <laughs> And there's some really good, like, appliance-themed dialogue. And this sort of keeps happening, but I want to point out a couple of lines. Because this sort of thing keeps happening the whole movie. Um, The AC unit, which is just like, oh, you're all children thinking that he's going to come back. He's like, you sound like you just got off the assembly line. It took a lot of discipline to write so many appliance puns, I'm sure. I love them all. I love all my children. (laughs) Yeah, they're great. Give Um, us some more, Ben. (laughs) <laughs> uh, he does say it's scrap metal time when he's talking about uh, whether or not to commit suicide. Oh, <laughs> and, it's so uh, rough. I do want to point out that the AC, at one point, in a real flamboyant voice, asks Vacuum, what are you going to do, suck me to death? <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. promptly commits suicide. <laughs> uh, is it, this is, like, the most point 
this and the uh, nightmare sequence later are like what people point to and they're like this movie is not for kids yeah yeah it's it's very it's very high emotion (laughs) it is and the way the music builds throughout a scene is sort of like uh, this happens throughout the movie where it just kind of gets louder and more intense over the course of the whole thing yeah, in addition to being kind of a very effective emotional beat, it's also a very important narrative beat because it's like, guys, this is our eventual fate if we don't take actions. We can't just be in this holding pattern anymore. We we got to do something. Like otherwise, we're gonna go nuts. We're already at each other's throats. It's time to it's time to it's time to move. Well, mm-hmm. the other catalyst for that is the fact that like another car comes and puts a for sale sign into the lawn. Oh yeah, I almost forgot. Uh, and yeah. and people are starting to get hopeless, and this is where the toaster comes in, right? And the, their death galvanizes the fellowship to leave Rivendell, and uh, <laughs> when they exit the so so they kind of the toaster kind of is like, all right, you're either with me or you're just gonna sit here and die, and everyone kind of jumps on board. Um, mm-hmm. they figure out a way to the, to travel to get this car battery or this battery pack hooked up to the to the. Uh, to uh, a desk to Kirby. chair, yeah, to a desk chair, and have Kirby just drive him around. Mm-hmm. Well, they have a, a montage of stupid ideas, like Lampy. You know, bright lamp. You know, doesn't come up with very good ones. Um, yeah, radio kind of, says something character, like characterization. Radio says something like, "If only we were wiener dogs, our problems would be over." And we get a nice beat. Yeah, this. I don't understand what the hell's going on in this scene. It's, <laughs> seems like just like. We need a kind of a breather moment after, you know, the AC committed suicide. So, yeah, here it is. Radio's like, you're going to need a mountaineer. I shot Moose with, in the Klondike with Teddy Roosevelt. I hope you wrote down a lot of these because <laughs> I like them, but I didn't bother to. Yeah, ditto. That's that's the one that, that struck out to me. Oh, also, you have to do it in a John Lovitz voice. I don't think I can handle that this early. At least try. <laughs> you're going to need me. I, I worked as a mountaineer. That's Teddy pretty Roosevelt good. and I shot Moose in the Klondike. <laughs> That's pretty good, although you are saying it like Jammit from Capital Critters. It's it's part Jammit and part Groucho. <laughs> um, yeah. So they do all, all exit the house, and uh, there's this cool animation beat where when they open the door, it's this pale yellow light, this monochromatic sheet separating them from the outside world. And then I think this is cool because they've never been outside. Yeah, they don't they, know how to interpret it. They, they have seen it, like, through the window. They, they're, they like, aware in an abstract way of what the outside is like. But they've it's, it's a very physical barrier, them stepping out, out the door and going on this journey to try to find the master. Yeah. Kirby, Kirby like, says, like, the grass is, like, a shag carpeting. Yeah, it's Lamp, Lampy refers to the sun as the big lamp. Um, like they, yeah, I like so, it. They're so childlike in is their it? ways. Yeah, really pushing the naivete of their of their situation. Um, but yeah, Kirby drives them, and uh, radio guides them by broadcast. Like he can he can tune into the city, which they assume is where the, the master went. I and, think they uh, know to some, they they must know something you know, at this point. They yeah. must know that the master lives in the city. It's shown later that they only go up to the cabin during the summers, mm-hmm. so it makes sense that the that the appliances are capable of waiting for a while but it's just it's been too long like they they can wait for the the master for the span of like 300 days um so like their their patience makes a little bit more sense 
Um, and then we get a song, a travel song about uh, you know traveling as a metaphor for life. What did you guys think of this song? I, I, I liked it. Yeah, I liked I think, it too. I think it was good. Even Kirby kind of gets in on it, even though he's kind of real grumpy. I also like what prompts it is that, uh, is that they start infighting almost immediately. Yes. <laughs> because, you know, they've been sitting, they've been sleeping in the same bed for 30 years. <laughs> like, they can't, this, they can't get up without, they can't get up with, uh, up in the morning without fighting at each, without sniping at each other. So, um, Toaster kind of prompts this song in order to kind of get everyone's spirits up. And that that's his role in the group. Everybody yeah. else has a very physical role. He's trying to keep everyone from... Uh, uh, keep everyone together. Yeah, kind of a team-building exercise. Yeah, almost. Yeah, yeah. can can you cross the forest with only a, a toaster and a vacuum cleaner? And, <laughs> I don't um, know if that's what he meant. <laughs> I'm, I'm actually really into this song. Uh, it, it's got a nice pulse to it. They occasionally extend the rhyme scheme in a way that makes it like feel expansive. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but just like I, I like the way that they add their characters into the lyrics. Yeah, it, it's it's really good the way they do that, and it's also not a. It's not. It, it doesn't feel like this song was developed from formula. We'll see even more of this later on as they go farther and farther off the rails with their genre. Yes. <laughs> but uh, but uh, this one at least has like this kind of lilting pace to it um, where not everybody is talking in measure, stick in time. Like it's kind of got this rhythm to it that is non-regular. Mm-hmm. Well, it feels, like, it feels like a family road trip, right? Like people, not everyone knows all the words, but enough people, you know, can chime in. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's good. It's cute. Really good. Uh, it is a little bit preachy, um, which is a thing that the toast that toaster does every now and again that I got a little sick of. Um, is he kind of just spouts morals every so often? <laughs> um, but considering the demographic, it, it's it, it's fine. Sometimes you have to be ham-fisted about it. I suppose yeah. they do finally bed down for the night, um, and realizing that they're drastically underprepared for this. Uh, yeah. you know, this this journey. Like, the vacuum is sucking up thistles, and they're all kind of freaking out because they're not indoors. Yeah. Uh, they all start fighting again. <laughs> like, yeah, they're, they're... Immediately. They just don't know how to operate, and the shit kind of flows downhill. Yeah. So, you know, Radio and Lampy are always fighting for no reason, and Kirby just resents everybody because he's doing all the work. Mm-hmm. And so Toaster's trying to hold everything together and just like, guys, let's go to sleep. Uh, but but even Toaster is not like exempt from these these bad vibes. Like Blanky tries to snuggle up to her, and she's like, "I'm not the master. Go snuggle someone else." That's so great. I'm not the master. I love that line. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know why. I just like Blanky wants like this prophet as a stand-in for like the divine master, <laughs> right? And he's like, you can't treat me like the master. I'm just a person. I'm just a man. I can't, can't I oh, can't be the vehicle for your spiritual fulfillment. I took it as like the toaster is forced into this leadership role, but doesn't doesn't really want to be in it. Mm-hmm. Just knows that they need it. But um, I don't know. Yeah, I totally everyone, feel that. Everyone gives some tough love to Blanky. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I also kind of like that as, you know, he's the most naive of the group and everybody else 
although they're struggling, they're aware that they they know how to kind of struggle. Like they're they're aware of how to encounter hardship and kind of take it in stride. And Blinky really doesn't. Like he has no conception of how to deal with this shit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I, I just kind of like this little beat where he's the only one who's unable to go to sleep without this kind of uh, without this fulfillment. And, and it just makes perfect sense. Like, of course, he wants to snuggle up to something while going to sleep. Yeah, it is his function as a blanket to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, quick quick uh, uh, mid-movie reminder that this is a movie about talking appliances. <laughs> and the next day. <laughs> I actually really like that they're all arguing constantly because it's like a good showcase of what happens to good friends when they don't have a nice way to like cope with their frustrations oh yeah like and this is a kind of the point where the the point of the movie hit me where where it's all like a like, in lieu of having a function in lieu of having this fulfillment this in this spiritual fulfillment what do you do to get through the day you need people and, and yeah and certain people are better at it than others right but they all need a way to cope with their frustrations uh, the toaster channels it into positive positivity. Um, the blanket kind of is accepting of his of his uh, of his lot. So like whatever he whatever happens, he just kind of accepts it and deals with it as best he can. Um, the others are kind of fighting or just kind of complaining. In the case of Kirby, and this comes back in a little bit in a point. Well, that'll that'll point out that they're kind of all stating their worldviews again. Yeah. Uh, for right now, though, things aren't too bad. They they come upon a field of flowers and a lively swamp, and um, you know the world seems to be humming their song. Yeah, but the fish are singing opera. Yeah, what is the point of this scene? Uh, I don't know. Whimsy, I think. I I, I think it's just some whimsy. Just a little lightness say. before the dark scenes. Mm-hmm. Maybe. Well, like, also, like, this is a time of renewal. Like they had hardship in the previous night, and now maybe they're encountering the good side of going on a journey and discovery and stuff. Like this is all very yeah, fascinating. Yeah. But like a- after their anyway. initial anxieties and infighting, they they stumble across a part of the world that is not, and it's sort of like maybe this sort of gives them a little bit of hope. I, uh, it felt a little like padding. Like, yeah. you can have light scene, dark scene, light scene, dark scene, and you don't technically need the two in the middle. It just kind of extends the theme. Like, uh, I don't think they did a lot with this. I agree, with the exception of it gave me one of my favorite moments in the movie that I don't know what is going on. <laughs> oh, the flower? Yeah, <laughs> it's great. <laughs> yeah, that was a little superfluous. <laughs> so the toaster finds this flower, um... Like this, and the flower loves him. And the toaster like dismisses his affections. No, no, I thought it was the flower sees its, on. the flower sees its own reflection in the toaster and thinks that it has like met another flower, and then the toaster tells the flower that no, it's just your reflection, and he leaves, and the flower just becomes dejected and just like. F- Completely oh, he dies, deflates. Of, he dies of a broken heart, Dan. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, th- this was unnecessarily dark. 
Yeah, what is going on here? Does <laughs> why does know? everything? Why is everything sentient? <laughs> everything I touch dies. Like, why? I think why that's the this? darkest. The darkest aspect of this movie to me is reflecting on everything having sentience. Like this is how crazy oh, yeah. it would be. Because you see, like bird eating fish, fish eating worm. Like you see the circle of life, and just like applying sentience to everything makes it so much worse. Yeah, yeah, it's terrifying. We yeah. also see a uh, blankie almost getting stolen by some field mice. Yeah, yeah, they were dragging him <laughs> into their lair. Um, Come below. <laughs> <laughs> You'll float down here. Oh, like, they all float down here. Everything floats. Oh my God. What is that from? I know that it, line, it, but I don't know what it's from. It's from Stephen King's It. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, uh, Pennywise the Clown. The, 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 the terrifying. Pennywise? Really? Yeah. Tim Curry? Man. Yeah. I, I can't believe I did not know the clown's name. I can't believe it either, Ben. I I thought that the clown's name was It. I've just reestablished my horror <laughs> cred, I guess. I was I was attempting to push it away from me earlier, but like like the toaster, I'm rejecting the responsibility of being your horror expert. Uh-huh. But I have to now embrace it. <laughs> you're gonna go on a vision that. quest. You're you're holding up a reflection of the carton cast, <laughs> and we're looking back. <laughs> okay, uh, so yeah, this scene is pretty weird and extraneous, and we don't need it. So let's just move on. <laughs> Yes, into a dark forest. Yeah, they continue into the woods where they get restless and scared again. Like Yeah. Um Blank well, everybody makes fun of Blanky for being scared, but they're all also scared. Yeah, they're um, they're punching down a little bit. They're all kind of projecting. Lamp- yeah. Mm. Yeah. Well, Lampy's projecting light. Ha ha ha. Delicious. Uh, but his, the battery is getting drained, and they have to stop for a while. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they need to give it time to, like, I don't know, maybe it's a rechargeable battery. Or just, like, maybe it's overheating, and they just need to to let it to let it cool down or whatever. No, the mm-hmm. battery just runs out from time to time. It's or maybe a the battery's sad. Why isn't the battery sentient? That's Why isn't the chair? <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> uh, and, you know, they, they do start fighting again because that's what happens when they get scared or don't know what to do. Yeah, um, radio, radio jokes that they'll turn into cannibals if they stay in the forest. Like Kirby <laughs> says, like, yeah, and you'll be the first to go. Like, I, I, their I sniping the is clever. It's just, like, it gets tiresome after a little bit. I, di- I disagree. The sniping got me through this movie. <laughs> like, I, I, I wouldn't want... Like, I, something I love this movie for is that not all the dialogue is strictly plot-focused. A lot of it is just them interacting with each other in these new spaces. I mean, I do like it. I don't think this didn't feel like a new enough space for me no it, it's sort of a, a reprise of the previous night yeah mm-hmm. um and but uh luckily blanket is picking up on toasters you know kind of positivity and channel this angst into something useful kind of spirit and offer shelter from the night by draping himself over a branch and everyone Make, is kind of kind of coming coming around this is adorable it, it's pretty cute. Everyone take warmth from inside me. <laughs> I, need, I need to talk about this line that Please happens do. here. <laughs> you guys know what I'm going to say, but it's great. So they all they all bed down for the night. Um, Toaster actually is snuggling up against Blanket now. Um, pr- presumably he's like earned his keep or something. Mm-hmm. And the lamp... <laughs> <laughs> what is the lamp trying to do here? I don't know. He's just, just being like kind insinuating of a weird... something. I know it's great. So 
the lamp he's like he like notices them snuggling up to each other and he goes like so what's the thing with you and the blanket like it's spoken from a romantic rival at the workplace <laughs> so you and janet huh? <laughs> i mean you were never this nice to him before and now all of a sudden you're nice to him all the time and i don't know i'm uh I'm just trying to understand, trying to figure out, you know, exactly what it all means. Well, the way I interpreted that scene was that the lamp was trying to understand the point of being nice to people. Because he's kind of, like, probing the toaster for his, like, motivation in finally snuggling with the blanket. It's um, not spoken like that, Dan. <laughs> it's I agree it's that spoken that's like a reason. jealous lover. I, I it, I interpret it in a much less smutty way than you. <laughs> uh, he, he, it, it, it did feel like he was trying to get some like gossip, like, "Yo, what's the hot goss on you no, and uh, the, the blanket there?" The lamp the was trying to understand goss. a new concept. Right. Like this was one of the first times where they really kind of like sat That's down true. and talked through their issues. And you know, it, it does sort of came into to an that. understanding at the end, and I think that the lamp. The lamp learns a lesson. I can't believe I just said that the lamp <laughs> learns a lesson. These are appliances, people. Uh, I, I agree. I think I think this is a touching scene in a lot of ways. I but I also think Ben, you're right. Like the way he does it is kind of <laughs> creepy. Have to say it like that. I definitely no. I definitely understand that. Yeah. Uh, but the but the toaster is trying to teach the lamp. Oh yeah. Ab- about you know the feeling inside. It's like a fresh loaf of bread. <laughs> it's like okay let's find a better metaphor for you it's like a glow yeah and we get they're this, finally learning to flashback. speak each other's language it's so yes. cool like that they're finally understanding each other enough to like empathize and use language that the other appliances yeah yeah because they have their own niches at home they even sometimes have their own rooms but now they have to interact a lamp doesn't appliance right a lamp doesn't understand bread so do not attempt to frame your moralizing in terms of bread but the lamp does understand wattage yeah put a lamp in a toaster don't even try yeah (laughs) and a toaster has no idea well a toaster would understand heat yeah, so, toaster so is kind of like, like, yeah, the Ur appliance, right? And, like has has parts of everyone, and it makes sense that they wouldn't <laughs> be fluent with each other's language because that's the purpose of the purpose of an appliance is to be a single use <laughs> kind of thing. Like, of course, it isn't going to it, its purpose is so precisely defined that you need to give a hell of a lot just to get to the other person's space. You know, like, mm-hmm. the, like there's just no, there's no connectivity between a, a lamp and a radio, which is why they fight so much. Like, one speaks entirely in visual, the other speaks entirely in audio. Like, they're mm. just, oh, yeah. there's no communication that can happen there. Oh, that's great. And they're f- so, like, they're mm-hmm. all approaching, and this is getting a little bit far down that ro- road, <laughs> but it's almost like they're all worshipping a god in their own ways. <laughs> like, they have this divine, like, the master... And they're trying to, uh, they're trying to achieve this spiritual fulfillment by worshiping worshiping him in their own ways, and they think that their way is the best way, or the only if you way. Wanna, like the they never want to take but, it even further, Ben, with the audiovisual thing. They all kind of represent a sense modality. I hadn't thought of that, but yeah, blanket is touch, toaster right. is taste, and then vacuum, I guess, works for smell. Sure, close, close enough. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Yeah, that's that's interesting, but I don't think it goes anywhere. Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah, they're finally learning to like get out of their comfort zones. Yeah, like like our our the things that we have in common are stronger than the things that separate us. I'll also mention that they each have their own color scheme. They each have their own like shape, very recognizable shape. Oh, like these are great cartoon characters. Yeah, like these are very instantly recognizable. Something that happens in adaptation whenever we see it is like we get the, these time tested kind of models. So yeah. it makes sense. Uh, mm-hmm. Makes sense that they would be as well formed and iconic as they are. Mm-hmm. Um, so Lampy is thinking about the master, reminiscing about when he replaced his bulb. I uh, like that they take moments in this movie they, to, uh, to to build up this that connection. relationship. Yeah, it's not this abstract like. Some things no one's ever seen or something that we have no attachment to. We want them to find the master. And the toaster also dreams about the master (laughs) in the second infamous scene. Yeah. Yeah. Things take a turn for the bizarrely (laughs) demented when toaster dreams about grabbing the master with giant smoke hands before being assassinated by a demonic Ronald McDonald. Yeah, manor machine clowns are universally terrifying. This a, and this is a clown firefighter, so <laughs> yeah, who appears with a fork in one hand and a fire hose in the other, and just says, "Run!" This is so funny, like that. The toaster's worst fear is water and forks, things that toasters are afraid of, and <laughs> yes. then also just clowns. They did their also research. Just clowns. They really did their research on toaster culture to know how the toast to write stop the appropriating scene. toaster culture. Hashtag toast culture. <laughs> Uh, Dan, I'm really curious about what your take on this scene was. <laughs> this was beautiful. <laughs> um, I, I, I don't know how deep I can get in this, but it it was something that both children, like humans and toasters, could relate to. <laughs> like we could, like we could understand why the to- like you said, forks, water. Uh, and clown plans. firefighters, um, you can uh, like you can understand why the toaster finds it terrifying, while it is also touching our ape brains in the same way. Like we can feel the toaster's terror. That's true. In this in this yeah. scene, yeah, in in the same way that toaster and lamp are kind of trying to connect, trying to create a dialogue together because they don't kind of understand the other's language. Mm-hmm. We're also being like indoctrinated into toast culture. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I and I I do like the way that it translates because you know it, the dream culminates in Toaster hanging for dear life above a bathtub before falling in, and like that's a pretty common dream where like you're suspended above like a bed of spikes, and mm-hmm. also a small bit of foreshadowing. Oh yeah, yeah. But anyway, uh, uh, the dream ends. Mm-hmm. Yes, we wake up to a storm, and Blanky is getting whipped away in the wind. Yeah, and this was this is a moment where things move very fast in a way that I don't dislike. This was it. intense, yeah. I, I hate it when like uh, when a work of art that deals with dramatic loss um, spends too much time building it up. Like it, it, it sort of makes it, me roll my eyes. Like in real life, it doesn't happen loss. over the course of a ten-minute speech of tell my wife I loved her. You know, like it, it's immediate. Bam, Blanky is gone. We can barely hear him. We gotta go find him. Everyone's panicking. It really well captures that. Uh, and and Lampy is trying Sorry to, to illuminate. Lampy is trying to illuminate things, but he needs to recharge, uh, and the battery isn't working. Yeah, the battery's we, dead. Yeah, and we get this awesome moment where Lampy's like, "I need to recharge the battery," 
I know how. <laughs> Altruistic <Dang it>. suicide. <laughs> he plugs in, stands on the chair, and makes himself into a lightning rod. Yeah. This yeah, is so this, good. This was such a heavy scene. Oh my gosh. Yeah. What song was playing in your head when he did that? Because <laughs> it was Light Up the Night by Proto Men for me. <laughs> You're not wrong. <laughs> Yeah, like I, I don't ha- really have much to say about it it's other just than it's rad. awesome, but I wanna, I wanna sit on it for a second, you know. Yeah. Well, like this is why I thought that the, th- this is why I could see the non creepy side of the lamp toaster conversation from the night before because <laughs> this was, this was the lamp realizing that there is a purpose beyond what we're designed for. Yeah, he's and learning how to he, channel that angst in a more positive way. Yeah, like he he sort of like that in that conversation he began to understand the ways that he can be of use and so he after having that conversation with the toaster, he has the courage to step up and perform yeah. a friggin' miracle. <laughs> I didn't even think of that, but that's super true. It's because and, he talked to Toaster. Yeah. And their purpose, which had been serving the master, turns into serving each other. Mm-hmm. In in this common goal, yeah. So yeah, the, the, the lamp jumps on top of the chair, plugs himself into the battery, and just stands erect until a lightning bolt from the heavens comes down. He uses just... himself as a lightning rod. That's so rad. Yeah. Like and this it, is the icon I would want on like a button or something. <laughs> this should be on the on the posters. And then just this anthropomorphic lamp convulsing with lightning. It blows this, out his bulb and friggin' supercharges the battery to the point where it's glowing blue. Did anybody else <sighs> feel super scared when his bulb got blown out? Yeah, yeah I thought like, he was. Oh shit! I thought he was dead. But even yeah. if he's not, not dead, that's everything he can do. He has no more function. Yeah. <laughs> He he's essentially dead. <laughs> he's essentially paralyzed. Like this is this is yeah, a very is, real cost. Yeah, is he gonna have this, to keep doing this every time the battery runs out? I assume so. <laughs> I think that I think that thought cheapens the like the moment, the yeah. heft of this moment. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Just imagine them having to do that every like day or two. Yeah, that, 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 <laughs> that's <just> climactic. <laughs> it's like, all right, I guess I'll do it again. <laughs> but yeah, it, that's pretty good. Um, and because they gave him extra power, they are able to um, continue trying to locate uh, Blanket. Yes. They eventually find him stuck in a tree, and Kirby winches him down. Yeah, this is <laughs> this, this was, was weird. Yeah, no, th- this was genius. Because yeah. they're they're all finding new functions, right? And so using the cord of a vacuum cleaner like a grappling hook to just like suck the vacuum cleaner up into the tr- like this looks yeah. stupid. Also, like I, I I couldn't tell why Blanket didn't just grab the wire and then like climb down himself or float down. Clearly, that had to be well. Okay, yeah, I guess I'm splitting hairs, but clearly <laughs> that's got to be better than a giant vacuum cleaner trying to climb a tree. <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> Wouldn't it be great if the vacuum cleaner had a fear of heights? <laughs> they should, yeah, they should have done that. To deal with just them. to make this moment also poignant. Like maybe earlier in the <laughs> movie, fatigued. he like acci- almost accidentally falls downstairs, and he has like a uh, like a panic attack. <laughs> That's not bad. Like every I vacuum like cleaner's that. worst nightmare. Stairs. 
<laughs> when they do the gritty reboot of this movie, they're going to put that in. <laughs> and they're also going to have the vacuum cleaner sound going over it because that is something I can't get over. I want the vacuum cleaner to be voiced by Mark Wahlberg. With Andy Serkis <laughs> as the lamp. Yeah. So they're, they're finally uh, reunited. Yes, the party uh, is back together. A little damaged, and uh, they, they keep going, and they get to a waterfall, and this is where Kirby's fear kind of kicks in. Like, he shorts out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, this this scene also seemed kind of extraneous to me. Like, it needed to happen to, for plot, but it's just weird. It's just kind of weird. Like, if there was ever an insurmountable goal for a group of appliances to overcome, it's crossing a waterfall. Like, this... <laughs> <laughs> the other things are things that humans could, like, adapt to and deal with. This is just, like, <laughs> absurd. Now they yeah. have to truly face their greatest fears. <laughs> Water and heights. Beyond loss of master. <laughs> Water, uh, heights, and clowns. <laughs> but uh, uh, Kirby, you know, he he freaks out when they calm him down. <laughs> which They calm him down by, like, pushing him in, like, even motions across the yeah, ground like put him in carpet mode <laughs> like walk it off yeah uh, but he he says like you're all just a bunch of dead weight i don't need any of you um yeah which, which is you know immediately kind of subverted in in this next bit yeah they, they tie them all selves all together to try to create like this uh this appliance kind of rope ladder to swing over to the other side appliance centipede yeah Yeah, appliance centipede Uh, toaster grabs (laughs) the other side and they try to grab over and then toaster has an acid flashback yeah to the water and (laughs) what exactly happened to him uh i I think just general fear of water just freaking out yeah i guess so yeah because this is the toaster's greatest fear as we've established in his nightmare it was either this or clowns yes yeah well clowns Uh, firefighter clowns with fire hoses Yes, that shoot forks. That shoot forks. Forks, Forks. yeah. He's got a very specific fear. (laughs) I was going to say, what would be the blanket's greatest fear? But I guess the blanket's greatest fear is having nobody to cuddle with. Yeah, abandonment. Yeah, he's very needy. (laughs) Confined spaces, right? Emotionally needy. Like being put in storage or being forgotten underneath a bed. Mm -hmm. Folded. Confined spaces, I think. What would be the radio's greatest fear? Uh, Not getting reception. (laughs) Yeah, put him Dan, in Dan, I can do this all day. <laughs> all right. <laughs> ben, what's your greatest fear? Tell uh, us. I, it's also the clown with the forks. I was about to say, I think it's also the firefighter clown. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, he fl- acid flashbacks and they all tumble into the water, except for Kirby, who is detached from the extension cord. Mm-hmm. But, you know, again, he he's like... Uh, he, he's channeling that angst in a in a productive way, and he dives into a water like into the water to save all of his other appliance dudes. Is that this moment that I realized that like without Kirby they'd be fucking dead like ten times <laughs> over have, by now? They have no chance. Yeah, and they don't know that, and that's why he's so grumpy. Like he he resents everybody sort of exploiting him in that way. Yeah, yeah. Without really appreciating his uh, utility as a vacuum cleaner. Yeah. Uh, and like yeah, I can, I can sort of get that because the lamp and uh, the radio are like <clears throat> kind of so full of themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they they treat him like a pack mule because that's his function. I thought he was a dog at first, like in the very first scene, like chasing down <laughs> dust bunnies, like. Rawr, 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 rawr. <laughs> <laughs> um, they they laugh at their survival 
as they wash ashore, except uh, Toaster. Toaster's pretty defeated and feels bad for starting all this and bringing everyone into this. Yeah, yeah he choked, and he knows it. And yeah, and there's moments in this movie where I realize that he's got really vivid and recognizable facial patterns, more mm-hmm. so than everyone else. Like Very well-animated Toaster. Yeah, and... and after some particularly harrowing moments, he's got these huge, like, bags under his eyes. <laughs> like, I... <laughs> the stress is getting to him. The stress of leadership is really running him down, like the president. Absolutely. Like, they, like they age so much Yeah, you like, terms. a before and after image, like, but instead, like, b- before the Oval Office, after the Oval Office, and it's, like, a shiny new toaster, and then it's the image of the toaster with, like, bags under his eyes and bloodshot eyes. <laughs> yes, we toast. <laughs> Same. Um, toaster there, for president 2020 make america toast again <laughs> um, Dr- drain the toast <laughs> well they walk into drain the, the tub <laughs> drain the tub <laughs> um, so they Yay. <laughs> i hope you're enjoying this listeners <laughs> it's 3 a.m do you know where your blanket is <laughs> Uh, I don't even know what you're doing, Zane. <laughs> <laughs> like, I thought we had a good presidential theme going. <laughs> you, you took a real weird left turn just now. <laughs> those, are, those are the like frightening commercials. No, no, it's the who who do you trust to take a call at 3 a.m.? Oh, yeah, okay, sure. yeah, that was a political ad, definitely. Oh, it was? I thought it was like a PSA, like, where do you, do you know where your children are? They're, they're two different things I conflated. That's okay. <laughs> I, I'm okay with it being weird. Like, a weird thing that this movie does that I'm kind of... Just puts like, you in this ...empathizing <laughs> with is that they're not afraid to be entirely bizarre. Like, especially during some of the, the song sequences later, but uh, They anyway. don't understand human norms, so they're... Yeah. Be, ...beyond their association with the master. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, we should keep going, though. Sure. Um, so... Uh, they're walking around this uh, swampy terrain, and Kirby trips and gets stuck in the mud. Yeah, this is weird. This is, like, really weirdly anticlimactic. Yeah, because they all try to pull him in, and, like, they get sucked in, and, like, after all that, this is how they die. It seems yeah. like a weird thing that they didn't just transition right to the mud from the waterfall. Like, maybe they get deposited in the mud. Mm. It's weird that they are separate scenes like that. Um, I do like that Radio is the last one in, and he sort of plays a song like going down with the ship. Yeah, a little. I I I sensed like <laughs> like how the Titanic. Oh yeah. Of, yeah, going down like the Titanic, like the hull just like going straight up, and yeah. 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 Well, he, well, he sticks his antenna straight up, and uh, just as he's about to go under, uh, a human grabs it. Yeah. So. Yeah. Trucker nerd Elmer Fudd shows up and saves them. Trucker nerd Elmer Fudd scrap dealer with a monster truck. <laughs> He's so weird. <laughs> I didn't know where this character began or ended. <laughs> like, everything else is so obviously defined as their function, and he is just fucking every person. <laughs> he is the chaos of that, yeah, that, that appliance's fear. Yeah, he he's like this universe is Satan. Yeah, yeah, because like, he owns a parts shop, which is like the scariest thing. <laughs> like, what if a lobotomy factory opened up next door? How how safe would you feel? Yeah, and he's experimenting yeah. on the appliances. It's like the scrap shop of Doctor Moreau. Oh my god, it's great. I also like that uh, the radio kinda is the one who saves them because he's like projecting for help. Yeah, so yeah. so he gets some functionality as well. 
is like, ooh, a radio, and I wanna, pulls I wanna out s- the entire pulls out the entire but like fishes out the entire lineup of the cast. I, I want to point out for a second how they all fall into the mud, and that all of their reactions are distinctly their reactions to mm-hmm. to mortality. Like if you wanted to have one moment where everybody faces their mortality in different ways, this is the moment because vacuum just bemoans his luck. He's just grousing. Blanket accepts his fate. He says, like, I'm not afraid to die. Oh. <laughs> yeah. So he's, like, very accepting because he doesn't think he can change anything. Mm. Toaster is the only one who's, like, actively trying to pull them out, trying to channel that into a positive outcome. The lamp is entirely ignorant until his very last moment. Like, he's just kind of a dunce. And the radio jokes his way out because he can't deal with reality. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's... It, I love all their reactions to this moment. Yeah, that's a good. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. Anyway, um, uh, they so go to the chop shop to fa- to face a fate worse than death. Peter Laurie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Peter Laurie <laughs> hanging lamp. Oh you my keep gosh. coming on for the Peter Laurie movies because <laughs> we saw this in Corpse Bride and Ben. I'm sure we've seen this in a couple of different shows. I think so. When you it's need to like make Laurie, something kind film. of horrifying, you get Peter Laurie. It's Phil Hartman doing a Peter Laurie impression, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, this is also Phil Hartman. Yeah, just like the Jack Nicholson impression. <laughs> and he's he's kind of creepier because he's helpful. He's like, like an Igor. Like he gives a, a bull to Lambie, mm-hmm. but he also gives a dire warning. He's like that, uh, <laughs> he's like the albino from, uh, from The Princess Bride in the torture uh-huh. chamber. Yeah, yeah. He's like, kind of like, jovially menacing. He's like... Yeah, he's he's kind of in charge of the place, and he sort of relishes the orientation process for new appliances. Because because he's enabling it, right? Like he he provides the illumination. Yeah, exactly. He's definitely on a power trip. Uh, yeah. So a customer enters the shop and asks for a blender motor. Where we're shown kind of the nature of this shop. The, the appliances are aware of what's going to happen to them. The blender this is dissected for his parts. This is great. The the music feels like a horror movie. Oh, like a murder great. thing. Like. Because the blender gets put into a clamp, yeah, and like his cord is snapped, and something is chopped, and just the motor's taken out, and you get this oil dripping like blood on the floor. Freaking brutal! There's like a here's Johnny moment when the blender tries to hide. <laughs> the guy like mo- like takes his his here cover away. It is here. It is. It's so <laughs> creepy. Uh, it's the sound followed effects, by I think, Bates also- Motel slasher style silhouettes. As he dismantles it with a screwdriver, you only see it through the shadows on the walls. And I think the the sound effects are very affecting here. Like, they are hyper-realistic. Like, realism plus 50%. Mm. Now, remind me, is this before or after the storage room orientation song? Right before. Okay. (laughs) Because they make fun of the newbies for their fear. Fresh fish. Fresh fish. They don't understand the brutality of the market. Yeah. (laughs) Um, and this is one of those great moments where Toaster's eyes just look haunted. Mm. <laughs> like, they've almost died several times, but this is when they start realizing that something wants to kill them. And that's just so much worse. Yeah. Like, it's not just bad luck. The world wants them dead. But not necessarily that it's something that wants to kill them. They're being faced with that Lovecraftian sense of this thing that is killing us doesn't even have a concept of us. Yeah. Like, we're just parts to him we're not the personalities of appliances that we know we have in our sentience 
he's just seeing us as a like a thing. I, I think it's more in the manner of like Greek gods than actual like Lovecraft monsters, mm. because uh, because of the way they have set the master up as kind of a god figure. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. But um, uh, I, it, it, I mean, it's kind of a lateral move. <laughs> so, but they're yeah. But like being faced with something that doesn't care about them, and is willing to just like gut them for profit. Yeah. Yeah, yeah like they, they are ants. Um, <laughs> once again, we see a strong parallel to Toy Story. This is like the exact same. It's like part Sid of the movie. Yeah, like in mm-hmm. Sid's, you know, House of Deranged Toy Horrors. Like this serves the same function and takes place at about the same this part of the movie. Frankensteinian tableau of nightmare appliances. Yes. Yeah, like the guy's experimenting, trying to create a chimera of like an electric razor and a, yeah. like, uh, yeah. Like, <laughs> like I said, it's the scrap. Like I said, it's the scrap shop of Doctor Moreau. It, it, that's exactly what it is. Yeah. Yeah, and it's it's got uh, uh, music that is thrown together. It feels almost like a, like a little shop of horrors. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this um, is a really cool song. It's awesome. Yeah, this awesome is a mix fun of one. spooky organ music and disco. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, with like some horror movie soundtrack. Uh, uh, I don't know if there were screams, but they didn't feel out of place. <laughs> yeah, I think this might be my favorite song of the movie. And the fact that I couldn't tell what the lyrics were didn't matter. <laughs> Just try to relax. It's the House of Wax. Uh, when you listen to it again, it, it's a bit more clear. I did like this movie. Uh, uh, this uh, I did like this song, not as much as the other ones, but I do like um, the fact that it's this combination of genres fits in with the theme of like the fact that they're all amalgamations or like abominations. Yeah. Like I like that a lot. Um, sure. Um, the the lyrics are good. Like you can't tell what they are very well, but some of the singing performances I don't think would pass muster today. I, I think that if there's a song in this movie where you can have bad singing, it, this is it, because yeah. it is so like Rocky Horror, Little Shop of Horrors kind of kind of B movie presentation. Like the song is called like B movie show. Mm-hmm. So if you're gonna have bad acting, mm-hmm. this is where you can do it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it, it, I it totally. Doesn't, it doesn't. I'm on board with that. Dan, I would love to hear what your opinions of this song slash scene are. Um, well, you... Because it seems like this scene is the be- one that fits you best. Yeah. And I yeah, don't want to this... project too much. No, that's that's fine. Uh, I mean, you guys have already kind of stated how I feel about this. This was actually my favorite song yeah. in the entire movie. <laughs> I-, I had a few. Oh, um, I, yeah, I love and... the last song. Yeah? That one's also good, but we'll, we'll talk about it when we get there. Um, like, this is the first real menace that they face that isn't just their environment. Like an intelligence... Yeah, like, they're finally facing up to the fact that their only experiences with the Master, and the Master is a loving, kind, you know, gentle soul. <laughs> a loving creator. Who is nothing but a vast benevolence to them, and they have finally met with other beings who They're in, they're in Dante's Inferno right now. <laughs> other beings who have the same powers as the Master, like, to take apart and put back together. Yeah, yeah. And so this is, like, I really enjoyed that aspect of it. Like, this is them finally facing the cruelty of the outside world in its, like, most 
sentient form. Well, if something is going to shake their faith in the Master, it has to be something as powerful on the Master's level. And so having a human who has these same powers is a real gut punch. They are now facing the problem of evil. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> good, good, good way to put it, yeah. Yeah. Not just Big danger, time. but evil. Yeah. Yeah, danger is one thing, but they're finally um, up against an intelligence yeah. behind the danger. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And yeah. uh, the danger now targets them because uh, the customer then asks for some radio tubes. Yes. So radio is now at risk and they have to hide him. Yeah, they go to great lengths to try to hide him away from the uh, the coming doom. Yeah, and it, he gets strapped to the torture, ta- ta- torture table and like he's about to be dissected until, you know, Toaster's like, all right, time to nut up. And they all kind of prank him as, uh, as like this... They, they yeah. kind of put the blanket over the toaster and shine the lamp and pretend they're a ghost and uh, and punch out Satan. <laughs> yeah, they, they make good their escape. Yep, the chi- appliance is jailbreak, and we're treated to a scene of the master being just as dreamy and beautiful as he was spoken of in legend. Wait a minute, wait a minute. We didn't cover the fact that the dog drives... A monster truck away at this point. I don't yeah. know what you're talking about. <laughs> because okay, talking appliances, I can dog. accept that. Dogs that can drive. I no, mean, I don't why even the fuck know what this, this. What scene are you talking about? I don't remember this. What? It's during the jailbreak, and and the, like the refrigerator like bursts through the wall, and uh, and then the customer's like, uh, "Is this a bad time? Did you find my radio tubes?" <laughs> I, I, what what dog are you referring to? The mass dog the, quadruped. The, the, the scrap dealer had a dog, didn't he? Yeah. Oh man, I don't remember this at all. Ben, <laughs> you're so. Just be I, happy that I'm here to remind you of this. <laughs> I really had the blinders on. <laughs> what this dog does? This dog doesn't have a dialogical like a uh, uh, analog. No, no, I have no place for him. <laughs> yeah, you can only focus on two out of the three of people, appliances, or animals. <laughs> At a time. Um, Sorry, go ahead. And then we meet the master. Yeah, okay. Sorry. Um, I just had to get that out. No, no, please. I'm glad that you did. (laughs) I can't believe I missed it. Um, But yeah, this this is the the master is... He's a teenager. Beautiful. Yeah, he's grown up. He's impossibly charming. He he still kind of looks like a nerd. He does, but he's got a hunky voice. Yeah, <laughs> and he loves his mama. Ben. And he, he's a wholesome. He's he is as wholesome back, as the but upbeat. And he's, his loving girlfriend is super hip and cool. Mm-hmm. He, he's it's like he's like the 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 sole bastion of goodness in a dark and dreary world. <laughs> like I totally understand why the appliances love him so much. Yeah, it it would have been too cynical to have him not be perfect. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. If he wasn't everything that the appliances believed him to be, it would have been a disappointment. And it's also necessary in order to sell the uh, the deification of him by the other appliances, the new appliances in his new home, mm-hmm. which is a necessary beat. But tragically, he's uh, he he's planning a trip to go to the cabin to get his old stuff. Oh, yeah, he's this... going off to college, and he needs uh, stuffers dorm. These appliances what? are being punished for their lack of faith. 
what a Greek tragedy I know. this was, <laughs> where they literally pass each other on the road. It's like Tiger and Fievel in the desert. Yeah, and or, like or, his, yeah. his the appliances at his home now, the new ones that like when gotta... they hear that he is going to the cabin to get some of his favorite stuff, they start to feel jealous and rejected, <laughs> and like they, they begin to build resentment against these other like home wrecker appliances. These I like, like uh, appliances yeah. on the side that he keeps at the cottage. I love how every appliance who comes into contact with the master undergoes this, like, spiritual transformation, wherein it either inspires fanatical devotion. Or political backstabbing. Or political, or, or like, or like murderous rage. Like, yeah, yeah. Well, it's almost more justified in these guys, because, um, you know, they're more modern, but the... the pace of technology is such that they are going to be replaced whereas the older stuff you know it's sturdy like, like we said the single function sturdy stuff that'll last forever and that actually is a is a piece of weird narrative cohesion with our currents like the world today because mm -hmm. we know that that's true and these new tech objects which we see later are like kind of shitty <laughs> it's like not <laughs> they're very insecure they're, they're very insecure. They don't know their place in the world. It's so cool. <laughs> it is. And they're, like, not that impressive technologically anymore. Right, that's what I'm saying. They'll be obsolete it's... in a few years, and they'll be replaced, and they know it. They it's know so it. But you always need a lamp. You always need a vacuum. It's fine. That's yeah. true. And those, vacu those old-school vacuums, oh, my God, they're so durable. Oh, we that used vacuum has sucked up thistles. He fucking... Climbed a tree and fell from a tree. He 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 went underwater for who knows how long. We he inherited dirty. My family inherited my grandma's vacuum from that era and used it for years after she died. Like like that. Th I th I think the only reason we stopped using it was like one part went off. Like one part broke that you couldn't replace nowadays, <laughs> and I, like I really it took. It took, like, 50 years to get to that point. <laughs> I love the idea. I, I love these, the practicality of that kind of inheritance. So, like, I don't, yeah. like, a, a, I don't like getting, like, a photo album or something mm -hmm. to remember people by, but, like, using the things that they used. Absolutely. It's so, and in a way it kind of relates to this movie, is that they all get kind of purpose for the, from, like, uh, doing what they were designed to do and, like, there's this nice catharsis, like this this work will set you free thing that you were talking about, Zane, to actively using these appliances. Mm -hmm. Oh, I was being facetious because that's a Nazi slogan. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it's irrelevant though. Like just because the Nazis did it doesn't mean that it's bereft of meaning. Yeah, were you? Didn't you tell me earlier that like you had a nice Magneto allegory for Kirby? Oh, I was just shitting with you. Oh my god! I figured. <laughs> I wish that were true. <laughs> no, I was, just, I was just messing with Zane. <laughs> I would have loved to have heard that. Oh, you disappointed me. Sorry, man. Oh, I quit. Um, so the, the Appliance <laughs> no, Alliance uh, finds the master in the phone book, and they ask traffic lights for directions. Great. Which I, yeah. uh, I love. Like, talking to inanimate objects is way more useful in the city than it was in the woods, so this part of the plot is relatively short. Yeah, finally in civilization. But the street uh, light only speaks in hand signals. 
Man, I could I could watch so many movies about this. <laughs> about, about this like navigating of objects. society with these yet yeah, with these simple machines. Yeah, what's city life like for these appliances? Like we only get a taste of it in this movie. Uh yeah, it, it's hard to say. I imagine that like that street sign has gotta be pretty fulfilled though. Probably. He, like he has a everyday use. Like every like two or three minutes he gets to like bask in his usefulness. Yeah, he's he's like a he's like a pansexual, right? <laughs> like uh, everybody he comes across is somebody who's he's like he's intimately familiar with. If we're if we're going through that metaphor, mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. so is there like a is there like a, a an offshoot of like a religious a re of religiosity that's just like no, I just believe in all religions. Pantheism kind of gets into that. That's, where, what, the, that's like, what the traffic light is. Where, like, the universe itself is God. Oh, he's a deist. Yeah. Beautiful. Well, the deist still kind of believes in a dude, but it, a disinterested watchmaker. Um, sure. But pantheism is more like... It's more personal. The concept of the universe is itself God, and I might be misstating that a little bit. I'm that's about just right. talking out my butt. But, um, yeah. So, uh, go ahead and put your email up in the show notes, and we can have people send you angry emails about the definition of pansexual or pantheism, and etc. I would love that. I yeah. would love that. <laughs> Sex. I may just do that just for a, just for the fun of it. Got to get the blood boiling. Yeah, you're an appliance, and your purpose is is uh, denouncing religious fervor. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, they. Uh, they do, yeah. uh, like, surprisingly effectively navigate their way to the master's house. I didn't think yeah. it would be this easy. I didn't think yeah, they, they could read. <laughs> <laughs> well, the lamp can, because he was always shining a light on the books. Oh, Zane, you're so right. <laughs> oh, my God! <laughs> this movie's so I good. I didn't make that connection. <laughs> um, and, and when they get to the apartment, radio applies the secret code that, like, all rate all appliances who were in the war no <laughs> yeah, there's like, like a whatever. secret knock <laughs> uh, i like how the apartment number is a113 which is a, a pixar in joke which shows up in all their movies oh it okay. is i didn't know that yeah that's the uh, uh room number of where they all did like studio animation in college oh, nice interesting yeah that's so neat. that's in every that's in every pixar yeah well they're they're greeted by the new appliances the newer models who are all yeah, the waiting new lamp. for the everyone waiting for them to turn their backs so they can stab them. Very Long Machiavellian the appliances. Yeah, creepy smiles, very very glass smiles. They settle in. It seems it seems comfortable enough. Yeah, and they like, do uh, meet an old friend. Yeah, old yeah. rabbit ears. Yep, they got an old school television in their house, and they're reunited, and they sort of bond, um, and establish that the TV is on. Uh, the party's side. Yeah, and uh, yeah. they're like, so how you doing? And the TV's like, ah, I still got a few seasons left. <laughs> and he's about to tell them, like, oh, yeah, the master just went to the cabin. He'll be, you know, he'll be right back. Um, but the new lamp changes the channel on them. Yeah, mm -hmm. to the Spanish-speaking station. Telemundo. <laughs> yeah. Telemundo. It's, that's pretty funny. <laughs> um, and the new appliances, basically, they, they think they're hot stuff, and they sing about it. I can process words accounting to in my pixel screen displays for you. Computer graphics locked into your memory. 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 With fiber optics, cast in plastic, for nights with sights and sounds fantastic. Just reach out and talk to your dear old Uncle Emery. Uh.
everything you wanted and more. This is uh, everything you ever wanted and more. It's kind of what? Sin- sin- what is this genre? Technotica. Yeah, I'm not like. It was all with this either, style right? of music. I couldn't really put my finger on it. This is the weirdest song yet, and it so did not the, work for me. Pit- I was yeah. I started folding laundry during this song. <laughs> the, the pitches changed yeah. in awkward ways, it, so it wasn't very singable, and I couldn't understand most of the lyrics. Mm-hmm. I didn't understand them in the previous song either, <laughs> but it was so cool that I didn't uh, care. But this does have a unified aesthetic, which is like it's emulating the as seen on TV culture uh, and showing like, oh, check out all these mm. like buzzwords of. Of how cool we are, um, just like talking down to the old school appliances. If you want the lean machine to whip you up some mean cuisine, I'm on the scene automatic. Hey, I can bake your biscuits too, pop some doughboy out for you. I'm micro solid state, and that's no static. Kind of indoctrinating them into the disposable, cheap crap culture of the big city. Yeah, and less personal too. Like, uh, if. if if we're referring to these old appliances as having like a a religious faith or like spiritualism to them, then these newer appliances are all about mm-hmm. consumerism and efficacy and and kind of um, hedonism. Yeah, they are the commercialization of Christmas. Exactly, they're, exactly. They're the war on Christmas. You got it. <laughs> this movie no, has that's everything. Different. That's different, but yeah, <laughs> the commercialization of Christmas. Has anyone ever talked about this movie like this? <laughs> I hope not, because th- we could be breaking ground today. Anyway, uh, so yeah, they get tossed out of the window into a dumpster. Yeah, they're defenestrated. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> and uh, and we, we cut to the cabin where the master sees the damage that the appliances did when they were trying to figure out ways to get to the city. And he's and like, he oh, assumes- somebody trashed the place. Yeah, he assumed that they were ransacked. And he takes the time... <laughs> To weep for each of his lost followers. <laughs> and here's the thing. Because he assumes they must have been stolen, he won't be surprised when he can't find them. Mm-hmm. Like, the, the new appliances almost got away with the perfect con. <laughs> almost the perfect murder. <laughs> yep. And, like, he names each piece, and then we cut back and forth to that piece getting thrown into the dumpster. <laughs> oh, man. And just like we've yeah. we've heard about the master, we know he's a cool guy, but we know also that he's devoted to his flock. Yes, yeah. he's and, also formed an emotional bond with his appliances, and he fixes the AC unit. This was so nice. I love this so much. Mm-hmm. He plays with the buttons. He pats it on the head, and the big lug smiles and tears up like. He does this movie care. and this team understand how the big emotional payoffs work, and it's so cathartic. And we already know that this guy is someone who has renounced his faith. The cynical air conditioning unit finally it dawns on him that Jesus does other, love me. Jesus loves <laughs> yeah. him, and the other appliances were right all along. <laughs> I'm sorry yes. I doubted you guys. It's that's great. Uh, that that tear that tear in his eye is so beautiful to me. I can't yeah. even tell you. I never thought I would get choked up over an air conditioner. Like you can go through the thought process in his head. Like you understand it without saying a word. Like the mm-hmm. facial expressions work. Yeah, this is this is the era of uh, of movies where they don't need to say much. 
and I, I, I think it's carried out incredibly well. I think the the idea for the well, maybe the idea for making the movie in the first place, other than adapting the book, was how can we sell nonverbal emotionalism with household appliances? Like it was sort of like a challenge that they put for themselves, and they did it. <laughs> <laughs> they friggin' did it. There was a friggin' party after this, I'm sure. Yeah, I, I was reading up on all like the stages of development, and it seemed like it was kind of a long shot the way they were talking about it. But yeah. man, did ever man did all all the different elements just kind of confluxed into this into this this weirdly unique and personal like success. Mm. Confluxed, confluxed. Next right. scene. <laughs> um, yeah, so we get actually this an, another like passing in the night thing because now the dumpster, like the dump truck, is going to the dump and passes by the master going the other way again. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and when the gang gets to the dump, they wallow in how great the modern gadgets are and how like the master doesn't need or want us anymore. And now we're gonna get trash compacted. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we get this weird jazzercising song. Yeah, I, I don't know what. what. I like th- <laughs> I like this one better than the last one. Zane, is this your favorite song? This is my favorite. Really? T- tell me about it. So it's it's this driving rock where uh, the junk cars lament that they are no longer useful. So the song is called uh, "Worthless." Mm. Mm. And these really nice vocal performances. Yeah. Um, really great singing where they talk about the great things they did once. So good. Ah. And how everyone grows old and dies someday. Like, it's very heavy, but not as viscerally scary as some of the other moments. So I don't think it's like, I don't think this scene is is too infamous, but it is touching. It is. So it's more about longing than fear. It's about reflection. It's a different kind of fear. Yeah, it's like a bunch of, it's like like an old folks home, like a bunch of people on their deathbeds kind of recounting the good old days. And, and like, it's not just that they can't move or they're broken, it's that the car's function is to move. Yeah, they, they've mm-hmm. lost their purpose. Um, and it, I don't know, it just, just feel the, like the yearning comes through really well. And I, I think the music is very strong, I think it's got a very nice driving bass line. I don't, I don't know, it just did it for me. I was from the Indy 500! Confess, I'm impressed how I did it. I wonder how close that I came. Now I get a sinking sensation. I was the top of the line, out of sight, out of mind. So much for fortune and fame. Yeah, I, I think it kind of did it for me as well. I got a place like the Frankenstein mansion a little bit better but uh this is this is really good too and it also cements the idea of the real enemy being obsolescence so in in a strange way the appliance version of mortality is obsolescence which is already hinted at by the newer appliances but now we see it up close and remember the only way to survive the only way to survive death is by belief in the master (laughs) that's true (laughs) he will make us whole uh, and and while this is happening, the the TV, which is still in the uh, master's house, tries to get his attention. Like, hey, you need new appliances? Come on down to the dump. <laughs> yeah, the TV is able to like concoct content. Yeah, <laughs> that's great. Their man on yeah. the inside. 
Yeah, like he, he puts up a fraudulent commercial for this junkyard saying, cheap appliances, cheap appliances, get them here, go to the scrapyard, get them there, crazy, go now. Crazy circus of something. Of only, yeah. <laughs> only minutes to go before these appliances are destroyed, go now, listen to <laughs> me, I am your television, do what I say. Save my friends. <laughs> obey, consume, obey, consume. <laughs> if you don't come by, it's, it, oh my gosh, it's like those uh, animal shelters that are like, if he doesn't get adopted to Today, oh yeah, you'll have to be They're put down. Gas like, if you don't come down to the dump and buy this toaster, I'm gonna have to put him down. Yeah. Sarah McLaughlin commercials. <laughs> I'll club a seal to make a better deal. Every year, fifty toasters are compacted. <laughs> Only fifty. Exactly fifty. Exactly fifty. <laughs> uh, but it works because the master doesn't want to spend too much money on uh, new appliances, <laughs> and he's so. a hipster. Yeah. I'm willing to say. <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> no, nah, I don't want a newfangled appliance. I'll just fix up an old one from the dump. He probably doesn't need those glasses anymore. No, there, there's no lenses <laughs> in those. It, it adds to the look. I also got to pick makes up a new it, fedora on my way out. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, I just broke Dan's heart. <laughs> and the appliance is just like, he's too perfect. Um. <laughs> uh, but yeah, and we get this sort of race against time because the master's going to the dump, but the uh, uh, the gang is getting picked up by this giant magnet that's gonna gonna destroy them. Yeah, in, in a movie that's surprisingly full of climaxes and like high tension scenes, we're we're developing into the final one. Mm-hmm. And because I only remembered this scene, I knew it was the final one. In addition to you know it just being near the end of the movie, so I was getting really amped up. Uh, a, a weird something that must have been weird. For the master, uh, Blanky drops the picture that he's been holding up <laughs> oh, this man, whole this time. Moment. And yeah. he finds the photo and he's like, what is this? Why is there a photo of me as a child at the dump? <laughs> <laughs> but it does make him put two and two together to think if maybe this, this is where my stuff got thrown here, out. Then maybe mm-hmm. the appliances are here too. Maybe like they came and like sold the... Like, I don't know if he states it. I could just be trying to read this cartoon character's mind. No, I think that was the intention. Yeah, but it, it's, it's like, the well, whoever rummaged through the cabin must have brought it here because this is the clue that sort of gets him to start looking but, um, for his stuff. Without yeah. that, like, kind of, I know that someone broke into my house thing from before, mm-hmm. this would be a pretty weird thing to find. Like, if I was walking around and found a picture of myself as a child, just kind of chilling there, (laughs) I'd be pretty freaked out. You would be justified in being creeped out. I would would turn around and just go back home and just hard reset on that day. Start start boarding up the windows. (laughs) Yeah. Um, The... But but it works, and he does find the appliances and, and like takes them off the conveyor belt, and he's got all of them but the toaster. When the magnet comes, the yeah. magnet wants them so bad. The magnet, oh my god! It, the magnet's been kind of hunting them in kind of like this chase scene, and uh, there's this really cool kind of there's this really cool kind of tension where they all see the master, and then we're like, we got to get to the master, but they also have to evade the magnet at the same time. So it's like this mm-hmm. weird chasing and being chased at the same time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this was a great, intense moment. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Culminating in the master and the appliances all on the conveyor belt. Uh, so the master uh, is refusing to uh, d- deny his flock 
he he's refusing to abandon his old appliances and he grabs them <laughs> as they are taken by the magnet onto the conveyor belt the master is trapped between some wreckage and the belt as he's being funneled toward the trash compactor all the other appliances are on the belt they can't do anything but the toaster sees this happening from a nearby garbage heap and you know it's 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 all going through his mind that that warm feeling that he gets when he's full of bread he will never be breadless again. <laughs> this movie. <laughs> and he's like, this is all I could ask for. This moment of fulfillment, it's not making bread, but I can give my life to save my master, to save my God. And yeah. he plummets into the gears of this trash compactor to stop it just before it crushes the master's hand. Mm-hmm. Just, oh, this is like, this is like, um, this is just like Lampy's moment earlier in the movie, but the stakes are higher. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. It's great. Um, and this sacrifice moment is something that Pixar has come to do really well. It's also the first moment that the toaster is doing something like efficacious, like tangibly useful. Yeah, he's doing more yeah. than just motivate the team. He's he he's really and he's sort of making up for his failure at the waterfall like this is my chance to redeem myself redemption through the master and every other kind of appliance has used themselves in a sort of uh, practical way that takes into account what they are yeah you know the blanket offers them shelter the lamp channels electricity so it's all this like weird kind of trend. but but the toaster can't do anything. What is he going to do? Toast bread? Yeah, he's sturdy. Like, there's, he, there's nothing for him out here. He's a unitasker. Yeah, exactly. So he just, he he does the only thing he can do, which is to sacrifice his own body as 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 this uh, as this way to stop this machine. Mm-hmm. Ben, if you like this sort of um, big like sacrificial moment, you really should check out uh, Inside Out. Okay, it has probably the best. One of the best ones. I'll I'll check it out later. Then I mean your 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 opinion carries a lot of weight for me as far as cartoon movies. <laughs> so I remember this scene kind of differently. I remember it being a lot more dramatic than it was. Um, but there are a couple of beats that I was impressed by in leading up to this moment. Mm. Okay. When the master gets trapped on the conveyor belt, the whole world goes this weird sick shade of red. Mm. Like it becomes this apocalyptic hue. This is something that they they kind of repeat in uh, toy story 3 this is yeah this is almost beat like for point beat. for point exactly what happens in toy story 3 like trash compactor is the enemy of appliance or, or or like constructed materials so like it makes sense that they'd be used for both um it, additionally when they were kind of trying to find their master in the junkyard while evading the um while evading the magnet that was pretty much exactly the same thing as toy story one <laughs> like you know where they're trying to get to the car like they're so close to finding woody or i mean uh to finding uh what is the kid's name from toy story andy andy thank you they're so Bucko. close to finding andy and they just need to that last little push so it's very similar in, in tone faced um, with obliteration yeah uh, and then um, the weight of this scene does not measure up to the act. What do you mean? I mean, the whole like look for a second, see what he has to do, and jump in. It's surprisingly mundane the way the animation articulates. Oh, like just he, like... like the toaster jumps in it, and it's just like it's just like watching a YouTube of someone blending something. <laughs> <laughs> like a toaster fell. Yeah, I know. <laughs> the what toaster that looks fell like. into some gears, <laughs> and then it's just over. 
<laughs> well, I think I think that the the gears crushing the toaster are. I, I felt that that had some weight to it, but I agree. <laughs> I was expecting a, it to be a bit more chunky. Is not the right word. Visceral. Yeah. The, if they went into like gory detail of like the gears like piercing him and like if if they showed more of the process of that might have been him, too much but him being ground up him, like more in the gears like not just at the edge but like like squeezed between them yeah so so that there was no question like, that they could not be repaired it's like those moments in spongebob where they cut away from them being animated and just show a starfish and a sponge chilling there <laughs> yeah <laughs> and it just like like those are used for funny this is like a, a weird cosmology in in uh, the weird thing in the cosmology of this world is that when humans are looking at them, they have no faces. Like it's exactly like Toy Story. They have to, you know, put on your put on your put in your game face. Um. So, I guess because the master is nearby, he has to turn into this this mundane toaster object, but. When we go back to the other moment where the lamp was channeling lightning, we saw every reaction that he had. Yeah. Like as, <laughs> just the, as it was flowing through him. Just seeing a toaster getting ground up in his ears is so, like, <laughs> Okay, impersonal. that's a good point. Yeah, when you put it that way, that makes sense. <laughs> just, and then it's over. Hydraulic press YouTube. <laughs> and then and then it just cuts immediately to him being fixed. Like, yeah, the epilogue. Yeah. This this was a little unfulfilling. It's just very sudden, and I get why it couldn't have been more weighty, because you know there are kids watching this, and even just as this, I remember it being kind of kind of taxing to my young psyche. But it needed a little bit more. <laughs> like, yeah, they need they needed some aftercare it, after that. Honestly, take a second like, to savor the hopelessness. Like, mm. will he get out of it or not? Is he? Like, can he be repaired? But nothing. And then after that, the movie just kind of ends. Like, he fixed it. He's going off to college. Finn. Yeah. Like, I wanted a little bit more. There's no, like, falling action. Yeah. I firmly believe that it would have been better if the toaster just died. I think so as well, but and, it's not. And then, and then the other appliances sort of realizing how how important he was to this journey and sort of finally appreciating him mm. in full realizing that the toaster was inside them all along yeah <laughs> no how about this it doesn't die but it cannot make toast anymore mm. it is crippled oh. but because he turns know, it into a trophy he turns it into a trophy yeah okay yeah it's retired boom. it's retired yeah. yeah exactly but then they couldn't do a sequel true sure they could <laughs> <laughs> Why couldn't they? <laughs> okay, <laughs> because because it can't toast it. Okay, no, I see your point. It doesn't. <laughs> they needed yeah. to keep the toaster alive for the sequels. Nah, I I, I think it's okay. I, I think it's okay that he's alive because mm. the you know the, <laughs> that's, the, that's the, generous of you. <laughs> <laughs> the, Finish him. Like there's there's a bit of a theme in this movie of like um, the appliances are punished for their lack of piety. Mm-hmm. Right, because if they had just you know nose to the grindstone, trust in their Lord and Savior, they would have been rescued eventually. Yeah, um, it's because they think that they've been abandoned that they have to go on this quest. So there's this sort of penance issue to it, where mm-hmm. you finally are at this moment of sacrifice to get what you want to to kind of uh, repent 
your sins, and having him live after that is, is fine. Like, I think that's, you know, he, he's done his time, and, you know, um, everyone comes out on the other side uh, rewarded for their for their for their faith and I, I think that's okay they can now reflect on the futility of their journey <laughs> yeah we didn't need oh, to any of that guys that's harsh it's <laughs> a rough time which is another plot point that was uh, uh you know put into toy story mm-hmm. yeah Well, yeah, yeah and, and that's it. That's yeah, a great cl- little toaster. Yeah. yeah, closing closing thoughts. Um, um yeah, go ahead, Dan. Uh, well, my only closing thought is uh, I, I formed a th- I formed a theory hmm. about this movie. I think it's set in the Flintstones universe <laughs> because pile it on. How just- dare you! Just dripping. What is this? <laughs> in the Stone Age, they had uh, dinosaurs mm. as appliances yeah. and other animals, and it's living. those primed humanity for um, the idea of having sentient household yeah. goods. So instead of making new appliances, they just like bred a race of toaster people, <laughs> and so they evolved that concept into the modern day where they have toasters and lamps and air conditioners and vacuum cleaners who wisecrack and have their own thoughts and this is just a continuation of that culture that's that's not it's, bad. It's fascinating I, to be on this side of the argument because like I'm usually the one to come up with these really far-reaching theories that don't seem that don't really have much to them other than I want them to work. Yeah. Um, so to see it from the outside, I have to say that that is fucking inane. <laughs> <laughs> no, Ben, I love the well, idea of like say... one of those Anamorph book covers where like a Stegosaurus is turning into a toaster. Yeah, Dan, have you ever seen these Anamorph, like these fake Anamorph book covers? Fake one? No. Go online and like look up uh, Anamorph's M&M. Oh my God, I'll have to do that. Because it's like a picture of the rapper Eminem turning into like the red Eminem from the commercials. Or Hank Hill turning into propane. Yeah, there's so many of them. It's like my favorite joke. So, yes. Um, now, I'm not saying that the dinosaurs evolved into household appliances. No, no, I, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just fucking with you, Dan. I don't actually think it's that a name. I, I, I like the theory in its own right. I don't know if it adds much to it, but it's... <laughs> You guys are taking like this that. one very seriously. I was not prepared for this. No, that's okay. What, the, uh, the whole movie? Yeah. That's the only thing we can do, man. <laughs> I mean, once Ben got like, the God angle in it, it was hard not to. It was all over the place, man. I think in watching this movie, just for like kind of personal reasons, I sort of latched onto the absurdity. Oh, sure. Of the concept, and that's where most of my thoughts went. And you guys are having, like, really proper, <laughs> like, deep discussions. thoughts about, like, the, no, the emotional meaning it, of it. I think and, you approached it the right way. Yeah. yeah. We're just because bizarre. if we continue on with the idea that the Flintstones and the Jetsons are in the same universe, the Jetsons <laughs> had to flee it's the um, takeover of the ground world by 
this industrialized sentience that they created. By Skynet, yes. Yeah. Oh, it all fits in. Yeah. By iRobot, yes. So I'll just let that sink in, <laughs> and you guys can like take it. this seriously. I I would love for this to. Uh... I would love for this to eventually evolve into a Skynet situation where all of the appliances are given a new function by a, like a like a false god, like a, mm. like an AI that upgrades all of them. I dig it. Yeah, I'm pretty into that. I'm trying to think of a show that does that. Like, is there a show where it's mostly robot cast? Uh, Bionicle. I feel like it happened in Doctor Who. Yeah, that seems right. Yeah, I mean, they do look like household appliances just thrown together, right? The Daleks. <laughs> they, yeah, they, but... do, they do kind of look like trash cans. <laughs> um, if um, you want a more serious final thought from me on this, uh, <laughs> th- 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 this is one of those emotionally heavy movies that I think children need. I think yeah. we've moved away a little too much from stuff like this. I think a child can handle... Um, the frights that come in this movie and the heavy subject matter that it deals with. And it's something that for a a healthy child needs to internalize these things in um, safe and guided ways. And this movie is definitely something I would show to children if I ever have them. Yeah, it's definitely... Definitely worth talking about afterward as well. Yeah, yeah, it's exactly. Not like a, yeah. It, it's not like a, a soul-rending experience if you're like watching it for the first time as an adult. It's not like everything is dark or anything. It's like, not most like of the it land is candy colored. It's all very like you know warm pastels and cute characters. And mm-hmm. this Hello? is a Disney movie. It's it's approachable to a child. It just doesn't shy away from the from the grief or the uh, or the heartache. And it doesn't go as far as something like The Land Before Time. Like, oh, yeah. I hadn't thought of that. Yeah, that's yeah. a little bit That's a little bit farther down the road. That one, yeah, seriously. Um, it, it, it's sort of a good, safe middle ground between pointless whimsy and, like, punch-in-the-gut emotionalism. Like, this was a very well-balanced film because you still had john lovitz there to take the edge off (laughs) that's true um uh there was no john lovitz in the land before time i think they're very similar movies but i think the land before time went a little too far in this direction but the brave little toaster was a balance and it's something that um i think that we should cherish in our culture agreed would you say this is kind of like a movie version of a Grimm's fairy tale uh yeah, absolutely. I can see that. Um Yeah. Yeah, I'm not sure where where else I could go with that, but um mm-hmm. I, I I like the balance. I like I like the notion of just because something is for children, just because it has like a, a childlike aesthetic doesn't mean that it has to be bereft of, you know, heavy moments. Mm-hmm. Like it can mm-hmm. be, and it can have some some stuff that hits home. It doesn't talk down to the children. Yeah. This feels very culturally and thematically like relevant as an aspect of, of looking at the human condition. Like this feels like one of those classic texts that you can analyze in an English class. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it um, does feel but, that way. But but yeah, uh, I mean, apart from a couple of you know scenes that I thought they could do without, and maybe they needed a little bit more resolution at the end. I thought this was really solid. Yeah, I think so, uh, and it's. There's a there's a trend in animation these days to be very like simplistic and and kind of have emoticon faces, like that that kind of happens a lot nowadays. Um, and everything is a little too spastic 
with a lot of the current animation trends. Yeah. Like, the, the the they're taking a lot of beats from anime, where, like, the eyes and mouths are too big, and everyone's kind of jumping up and down, and it, this is so much more dignified animation. Mm-hmm. Like, all the character models have those cute faces, but, like, Toaster has, like, haggard expressions, and, like, the vacuum is constantly frowning, and just, like, there's... There's there's just there's just some there's, dignity to these. There's characters. real humanity here. Yeah, I think it comes to a a problem that I I see in modern modern animation, but also just modern films generally that they don't respect their audience. Yeah, agreed. Like th- this movie really is respectful of its audience. Um, it 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 it's dignified, like you said. It it treats the audience as though we think you can handle this. But modern modern movies don't really do that. It's kind of like they're they're trying to they kind of assume well this is what the people want, but they yeah, do it in a very it's targeted marketing. Yeah, yeah. It's it's a very depersonalized uh, way of doing things. But this was a very personal movie. Maybe that's for a uh, anybody maybe that's who watches a, it. Maybe that's a uh, 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 oh what's the word? The thing that comes after something else. God, my brain is dead. <laughs> after effect? Uh, let's go with after result? effect. Result? Yeah, maybe that's the result. God, I couldn't think of result. <laughs> maybe that's the result of having a movie that is simultaneously appealing to two demographics. Like mm. children and the adults that are watching the children. You know? Um, is that you get to... Is that you necessarily have to excise this idea of placating. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not sanitized. This was telling a story, but nowadays they're just selling a movie. Ooh, I like that. Yeah, can we clip <laughs> that out and put that next to your next to your picture? Please. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and uh, yeah, so I think that is that is pretty much it. Um, ben, do you want to uh, say what we are watching next? Yeah, I'd love to. So uh, next time we are watching uh, the an- we're watching a sports anime because we haven't done it yet, and I think it should be interesting. Uh, by the name of Slam Dunk, which is about back- basketball. Basketball? Am I saying that right? <laughs> basketball. <laughs> uh, have you, Ben? Have you watched any of this? No, I have not. I watched the first episode, and I I need to tell you something about this show. <laughs> okay. Um, the main character is Kuwabara. Is it the voice? No. Oh, like the just... character. Okay. Like this is the same character, and he okay. even has his group of like stupid friends. Like this, is, like, you're gonna love watching this. The Adventure of Kuwabara plays basketball. <laughs> I can't wait. After like, something it's... as so serious as Brave Little Toaster, I could really use some levity. <laughs> oh, you're gonna get it. <laughs> you're gonna get it, and you're gonna be confused. Good. Uh, Zane, what's after that? So uh, we've been watching a lot of uh, shows that have been recommended by other people, you know, having a lot of guests and stuff, which is great. Um, yeah. And, and Dan, thank you for coming on. Of oh, course. you're very welcome. Thank um, you for having me. But I wanted to watch something that I kind of knew really well. Okay. Um, and so we are going to be watching The Weekenders. Okay. Yeah, we haven't yeah. done a, a proper Disney show in a while. We've done yes. movies, certainly, but um, yeah, that should be interesting. Yeah, I think little... it will not stand up. <laughs> I, I'm hoping. I'm hoping that this is a good one. We'll see. Um, yeah. Well, uh, to sign us off, uh, I'd like to thank, formally thank Dan Caves. Thank you once again for yes. deigning to sink to our level and talk about toaster people. Oh, I thank you guys for thinking of me for this one. 
this I, was a lot of fun, and I'm always, always to happy to you. talk to you guys. Yeah, awesome. we'll, we'll have to do a, a horror movie or a horror uh, a horror show proper. Um, uh, uh, the Real Ghostbusters is on Netflix now, so we we could we could pound through that and do a Ghostbusters but show. But the problem sometime. with that is I'm not afraid of any ghosts. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> Yeah, you got one up on the uh, El- on the Elmer Fudd uh, uh, character halfway through this movie, and that you're not afraid of ghosts. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Well, uh, if, if you want to suggest a show for us, Dan, go ahead to uh, our website, cartoncast.com. You can suggest a show or comment on one of our other episodes. Uh, that was gracefully can, slipped in. <laughs> or you can yeah. go, or you can go to our Facebook page. Uh, feel free to say anything about the shows that are coming up if you want your comments read on air. Give us a rating or review on iTunes, and tell your friends about the show if you think they would enjoy it. Yeah, shine shine some light on us. Uh, yeah. Do some reflecting. Yep. Snuggle up. This show and, uh, is like suck. being full of bread. Yeah. Uh, keep calm and toast on. <laughs> Don't forget to bring your toaster. Yeah.